Welcome to Growing Up 80s, a podcast where two friends talk about the things we loved as kids growing up in the 80s and still enjoy today. This time we're talking about Tron. Tron. Hi, Robin. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Do I always have to just say the whatever it is? Sure. I just, I just Re- say the word. Say the word. Tron. <laughs> Tron. Hi, Robin. How are you? Hi, Darren. I'm doing good. That's good. It's nice to see your bearded face. Why, thank you. And we've been kind of missing in action the last little while. We seen, we got sidetracked. We are negligent in our podcasting duties. Yeah. We have been sidetracked. You're right. We had a good time there, though. Oh, yeah. We've been working on other projects together. Something different. Yeah. The uh, Especially Darren started a new YouTube channel called... Grew tube, so G R O O tube, and that's the art of the art of Sergio Aragonés. Grew Grew the Wander is a comic that I read and collected when I was a young person in the eighties, and I think we've even talked about that on our comic book uh, episode, our comic book podcast, a few months ago. So yeah, I started up a podcast just talking all grew and all Sergio stuff. And Robin had this great idea to do a collaboration pair of videos between his massively popular 8-bit show and tell <laughs> and my diminutive grew tube. And so we put a bunch of work into that and had a couple of videos come out the last week or so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he accidentally said that uh, GrewTube is a podcast, but of course... It's, it's actually not. a YouTube with with the moving pictures even. Yes. It's it's the best way to talk about comics. Yeah. With pictures. <laughs> with pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's been a lot of the focus the last few weeks. And as a result, we have not grew up eighties. Yeah, we have not been growing up eighties. But anyway, we're we're back and we're at it and we're finally going to tackle the long promised episode Tron Tron we're going to talk now, was oh, it yeah. about a year ago <laughs> I think it was a year ago this month that we did the last Starfighter yeah and we were talking about you know some of the connections between the last Starfighter and Tron you know being like early CGI implementing movies right yes and and I think we mentioned you know, we should do Tron at some point. And then over the last year, we've mentioned a couple times, oh, we've got to do Tron, got to do Tron. Yeah, especially when we ended up doing Slipstream. Which <laughs> One of is... the worst movies of all time. <laughs> That's not true. Well, yeah, we, a movie I really like, but mm. but it's also by director Steven Lisberger, same yeah. as Tron. Uh, but then it did seem silly that we still hadn't dealt with Tron and we had even done Slipstream. Yeah. So that pushed Tron even further forward. So, no, really, these are two of my favorite movies, kind of one much earlier in the 80s, one late in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And Steven Lisberger was behind, <clears throat> Steven Lisberger was behind both of them. I wish he got to make more movies because he he makes some of my favorite movies. Yeah. And uh, it's it's too bad that, you know, I guess Tron wasn't enough of a success and maybe whatever it is about his directing wasn't so 
yeah. prominent or whatever. I don't really know why he wasn't given more chances to make movies. To make big movies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, because Tron in some ways is a big movie. I guess it's a big movie oh, now yeah. that we're looking back at it. Yeah. And at I think at the time, it was a big deal. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Disney didn't think that it was that successful, even though it made money. Yeah. Um, they didn't really consider it that much of a success. And I think that, you know, some of the other things that were kind of working against Tron at Disney was the whole animation scene, right? Because Disney's this big animation place and Steven Lisberger and, and his team, because he had his own animation studio, right? Mm-hmm. When he when he came up with the idea for Tron. And so they were doing things and they weren't letting the Disney guys do the animation. And I think there's a bit of animosity and stuff there. And so, yeah, it, I'm sure there's a lot of things that went into Tron not being thought of as successful as it was, or maybe not being as successful as it was. But yeah, yeah, it would have been neat to see more stuff by by Stephen, for sure. Yeah, I think he was full of good ideas. Uh, they weren't always executed perfectly. The, mm-hmm. the storytelling, both movies suffer from some disjointedness and and so yeah. on. But what I love about these movies is the world that's being created. Mm-hmm. And I love the characters and the visuals, but I even like the story, the concepts of the story. Sure. Uh, it's yep. just, some, they, they, they come off kind of uneven, kind of, they lack some flow, some. Yeah. They meander and yeah, yeah it, it kind of seems like both films have like this middle where, well, we just got to get to some place. And so some things happen that, you know, maybe they needed to happen, but maybe they didn't need to happen. And then yeah. things just resolve and they're just resolved kind of, oh, that was really quick and quite simple. And, oh, okay, it's over now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so I want to be clear, if I, if I do a nitpicking or comment negatively about things in this movie, I really love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just part part of the fun of things for me, whether it's on a computer or a movie or a show or, or a book, is yep. is is thinking it through and then unfortunately finding what I think are flaws or mistakes. Yeah. But but I find I find that to be fun. That's part oh, yeah, of the fun. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, like... we were both big into the nitpickers guide to mm-hmm. to Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's not because we didn't like Star Trek; we really did like it, and it was fun to to just overanalyze it to death and yeah. find all the mistakes and stuff like that. We're that kind of nerds. That's right. We're that kind of nerds. We are. We're. We we're. Are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> so why don't you tell us? Why don't you give us an overview of the story before we kind of get into the movie and maybe we can talk about how it came to be and some of the people involved in it. And then we'll just kind of get, jump into the movie after that. How's that sound? Isn't this when I accidentally spend 45 minutes walking through every, every nuance of the plot? Is, is that what happened last time you said, give an overview? And then I don't know. And then we actually <laughs> is that what happened? Basically, we talked through the entire movie. I, think I do want to talk through the movie. <laughs> I want to talk through the movie, but give us give us the big give us the the two minute 
Okay, try I, to give us the one minute Robin version. Okay, of it. I really will try to do it in one minute. You've got a big computer company called Encom. You've got a programmer for it named Alan Bradley, and he gets his computer access cut off. He goes and talks to the boss, who says somebody's tampering with the computer system. We're shutting everybody down. Alan goes and finds his girlfriend. This is really the short version. Laura, Laura, you're telling the story. You're not given what it's about. Laura. Okay, we, we want concepts. <laughs> yeah. It's about, they have to go to Flynn's Arcade. <laughs> <laughs> they find Flynn. So so really, there's, a, there's theft at a high level. Yep. One guy programs video games, somebody else steals them and uses it to rise to the top of control of a big a big computer company and though the people below decide to fight against that and yeah. don't don't realize it but one of them gets sucked into the computer world itself first yeah. person and they fight against the master control program and Sark what, what do we call him he's, yeah he's the right hand man yeah it was but it's flipped around like see in the real mm -hmm. world it's Dillinger created the master control program but then in the in the computer world, the master control program tells Sark what to do, his counterpart. Yeah. Everybody has like a counterpart in the digital yeah. world. And in the end, freedom is restored. Very well done. I think that was just over a minute. <laughs> you did good. I would <laughs> thank you for not interfering one bit. I'm sorry. It's okay. Can I give it a go? Yeah, yeah, your turn. Let me let me see if I can do like a a one minute overview of the movie. You you did good. You hit a lot of the points. You hit all of the points and more. <laughs> there are these brilliant computer programmers. Bad guy steals good guy's computer program, so good guy gets his friends together. They're gonna find the evidence to prove that that theft has happened. While they're doing it, they get sucked into the computer world and find out that there's a parallel struggle going on in the computer world. So they work with the computer people to right the wrongs. They get spat back out of the computer and things are righted in the real world as well. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, him. Well, yeah. That's the thing. Only one of them actually gets sucked in there, but it's yes because of the interesting parallels yeah. going on. It kind of feels like everybody Everybody really is sucked into the computer world. There is a counterpart, but like they you don't said. know. Yeah, but they don't. Know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think everybody's probably already seen Tron. I think so too. This is a strange exercise we're doing for some reason. Uh, well, you know, I have strange ideas. So this is something I said that I wanted to talk about how the the movie got made and stuff before we get into it. Okay. But because we're talking about the the various counterparts in in the film like in the in the real world versus into in the computer world of the film. You've got Alan, who is one of the programmers, who is Tron. Yeah. In the Alan Bradley in, becomes yep. Tron. And you've got Dillinger, the bad guy who is Sark inside the computer thing. You've got Laura who is Yari. You've got Flynn who gets sucked in as Flynn. Yes. So Flynn is Flynn on the inside, except at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. And this, this confused me as a kid. 
Yes. Um, when we first see Flynn, or who we think is Flynn, inside the computer world at the very beginning of the movie, he's not Flynn. He's Clue. Yes. And he behaves differently and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and he is a different character. And so that's, it's kind of confusing to yeah. a young to Simple a young Darren, Darren like myself. To a young Darren. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's let's not jump right into that. Let's talk just a little bit about how we how we have learned that Tron got made. I kind of um, alluded to the fact that Steven Lisberg er Lisberger. <laughs> Lisberger. <laughs> he was an animator when he kind when he came up with the idea for Tron, apparently. Um, way back in the mid seventies. And um, he was inspired, uh, among many things, he was inspired by Alice in Wonderland and the idea of, of slipping into uh, an alternate reality. I think that he had just seen Pong or some of the other early video games at the time and thought, oh, wow, wouldn't it be neat to make, you know, computer animated stuff about computers, perhaps, or about being inside the computers, um, and so that's kind of where uh, Tron, the germ of, of the Tron idea started for Steve Lisberger. <laughs> Why do you keep pronouncing each of his syllables separately? <laughs> for Steve and Lisberg, because I want to call him Steve. And then I look up and I say, no, his name is Steven Lisberger. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to that? Uh... Okay. On Disney Plus where yeah. there's a nice high-definition version of Tron you can watch. That's the version I watched uh, just today. Cool. There is also a new little documentary 17-minute thing called Phototronology, and it's about Stephen and his son Carl, now, mm-hmm. like, or recently, the last few years, um, getting to go to the Disney archives pull down the big binders of photos and concept art that have been, you know, in the Disney archives and Stephen hasn't had access to them for decades. And they get just sit there at a table and look through all this and and talk. They kind of frame it like, oh, now my son is here. And, you know, like, you know, they kind of, it's fine. It's fine. But what was neat is a few other details um, one example is everybody has to wear those helmets, yeah. uh, in the world. Originally they wanted everybody to have hair, uh, yeah. and they actually had like, uh, Bruce Boxletter had cool. This, sp- yeah. Spiky stuff. I saw a picture of that. Yeah. 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 So apparently they found out that when they were doing all the matte layers and the animation, the painting, that hair just was not working. Sure. For that whole process. Yeah, because even though this movie looks all CGI, it was actually hand done. Every single mm-hmm. frame of the animation was was processed by hand. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. And so when they were painting these, they, they just couldn't include hair as part of the coloration yeah. process. I, I suppose like the idea being like they wanted really high contrast costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, with well-defined edges, probably like when we're trying to do like a green screen or something, yeah. you know, like the fuzzy edges of our beards always make things more difficult than if we just had a nice shaved, <laughs> yes, everything, shaved head, shaved face, <laughs> not, not everything, 
Yeah, well, well, you know, no hair on top. Yeah, no hair on top. Um, <laughs> so that was an interesting detail. Uh, another one was when they were supposed to be hiring Flynn. They wanted Flynn to be the nerdy guy and Tron to be all like athletic and manly. Sure. But then when they ended up hiring Jeff Bridges, him him and Tron were basically the same build. You know, in fact, it was almost like Tron sold the nerd thing. Alan Bradley sold the nerd thing yeah, yeah. better than Kevin Flynn. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, apparently at one point they were going to have these very diverging builds and they would try to make Tron look like a real superhero. Mm -hmm. And then Flynn, well, to not, to, to look yep. like a skinny nerd. Uh, but it did not work out that way. Oh. Yeah, I had a couple other details. There's, uh, they apparently actually used Sharpie pens directly on the costumes. Oh, yeah. Like, they would have their costume, and while it was on the person, there'd be an artist there drawing the various hard lines around the edges of their costumes. Really? That was just how it was done. And it was, yeah. yeah, because they were all filmed in black and white, and mm -hmm. all color was added in post. Neat. I'd read that uh, originally the the colors red standing in for the bad guys and blue for the good guys. It wasn't originally set up like that. Red was going to be the good guys maybe, and, and they were going to use like orange or yellow for the bad guys. And there's a couple places in the film where the colors are a little bit, uh, they don't follow continuity um, as, as they should. And that's kind of left over from you know, making some changes, um, early on in the, in the process. Yeah. Like I, I think that carried over because in the Tron, in the light cycles, the, yeah. the bad guys are all driving blue motorcycles yep. and the good guys are driving the, well, red they call them gold. the gold, but yeah, yeah, the red, orange, and yellow. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's a, a carryover from that. Yeah. Yeah. And one other flip around kind of thing, the way that Flynn gets sucked into the computers through that giant mm -hmm. laser, mm -hmm. apparently that was a real laser, science laser somewhere, science laser. <laughs> Ooh, science lasers. <laughs> science lasers. Apparently In that- laser, laser lab, no, laser bay number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So apparently that was a real world laser. Yeah. But what was funny is that the, the laser essentially digitized the, the object like Flynn yep. and brought him yep. into the computer. Well, Stephen found it hilarious that in the future for like Tron legacy, they actually did scan Jeff Bridges and all the cast with a real mm -hmm. laser to get the model to oh, bring yeah, him sure. into like, you know, that's how they actually yeah. create 3d models of things is with. Yeah. A laser, essentially. That's how you digitize them. Yeah. Sure. So, so what happened in the movie? Well, except for the disintegration part. But what mm. happened fictionally <laughs> in the first part of the, of the movie is essentially what did happen for Tron Legacy. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Um, okay. A couple interesting bits about folks who helped create as well. Just reading through the credits and stuff. The music in Tron mm -hmm. is really, really great. Yes. Um, a combination of like the electronic stuff, like the, the Moogs and the synthesizers and like the orchestral, uh, versions of those songs. Um, so the music was done by Wendy Carlos, 
Um, really, really, really nice stuff. I think you've got some of the soundtracks, right? I don't have the soundtracks. Yeah, but... I've got the original, like the vinyl 80, was it 82 or whatever that mm-hmm. was released? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've really enjoyed that. And it actually, it's three. It's got the electronic music. And the orchestral, it's got a couple mm-hmm. Journey songs, Journey, you yeah, know, like the rock that's band. Right. <laughs> yeah, because they are the rock band that like, when you hear them going into Flynn's Arcade, that's yep. Journey that's playing in the background. And of course, they, they're their big song. Um, I, actually, I think they have two songs there, right? Yeah. Um, theme for the 1990s. And I can't think of the name of the other one. Apparently, Supertramp was originally on board to be <laughs> the band to do that, but they backed out. At some point. Really? Yeah. And so Journey Journey became the band. Only Solutions is the name of the Journey song. Right. Kind of a weird name for a song, right? Only Solutions. That's right. We don't want problems. Yeah. Only Solutions. Only Solutions. And then, yes, 1990s theme is the other one. I wonder why 1990s. Yeah, that's kind of weird. years in the future, yeah. Whatever. Some of the conceptual artists, well, three of the conceptual artists listed in the credits, Sid Mead, Peter Loys, and Jean Giraud, otherwise known as Mobius. Mobius, yeah. Yeah. So Mobius, um, I don't know tons about him. I recognize the name. So I looked him up and I said, oh yeah, he did some of the concept work for uh, the original Aliens movies. Yeah. Um, for the abyss, he was uncredited for doing work in heavy metal because he's this French cartoon artist or comic book artist, right? Yeah. So he was involved with um, who did heavy metal? I want to say, bum bum bum, Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is Ivan Reitman. So yeah, heavy metal, the movie, the the cartoon uh, movie um, from 1981. So he, Mobius was involved with that as well. He was also involved with uh, some of the, the concept art for Masters of the Universe and for Willow. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and Mobius also worked on The Fifth Element, which had, you know, a very distinct style. A, a mm-hmm. later movie, but yep. that ended up having a big following. Yeah, and Sid Mead worked on Blade Runner and also Aliens. Oh, of course. In yeah, addition great, yeah. to Tron. Uh, a really good looking movie with some really good artists and designers behind it. Yeah. He, did you know? Okay. So everybody in the movie has a identity disc. Yeah. So those were real Frisbees. Yeah. And they actually hired uh, a world Frisbee champion uh, and as both a stuntman and as a trainer for oh yeah for everybody like doing all the oh I didn't know that fr- yeah frisbee stunts as a stuntman yeah. <laughs> yeah right on yeah cool you know I've watched some of these movies many times yeah but it's only when I sit down to watch them critically and make notes for the podcast that things really start to say hey they're doing a thing here they're trying to make a point with something here yeah um. It really seems like there are these um, parallels in Tron with like uh, the Roman gladiators and, you know, the Romans finding all of their, their enemies or the, and, the, and the people that they're subjugating and feeding them to the lions and putting them in the games. You see a lot of that in Tron, or at least I saw a lot of that in yeah. Tron that I had not noticed before. 
So I thought that was kind of neat. Even coming down to almost uh, the costume that a lot of the people that are going into into the games are wearing. They kind of have, they've got like their, their computery costumes, but they also have like this fabric sash type thing that they yeah. wear over them, over the cross of, of the front of their torso tucked into their belts and stuff. And it just has that kind of Roman look like I'm, Jason and the Argonauts type thing. I, he, I guess that's Greek, but yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of look, that ancient Mediterranean look about it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was only relatively recently I noticed that all the new conscripts, as they were calling them in the movie, have mm-hmm. that sash that goes from their, I think, left shoulder down across and yeah. kind of covers up half of their torso yeah uh over their suit and actually uh tron or flynn keeps wearing his i don't know if he wears it throughout the movie but he wears it late in the movie i forgot to actually watch for that oh i think maybe he gets rid of it when he punches out that red that red guy that would make sense yeah Um, but yeah they call it like the game grid but Mm -hmm. yeah it seems definitely inspired by those sort of gladiatorial games, death games, games to, games to the death. And of course, um, there's also the whole, uh, I didn't actually write down how to, how to phrase this. Um, okay. Well, apparently Disney, like Steven Lisberger had like his, his concepts for the movie, but it was only when it came to Disney. And I wrote this down as a quote that, that they gave the story, um, these quasi religious overtones. Oh. that we can see throughout the, the movie. And so we start at the very beginning programs who believe in the user are religious nuts. Yes. Um, and then, you know, right at the very beginning, there's th- this, this one program who's in the jail cell saying, you know, if I don't have a user, then, then who wrote me? Where did I come from? If, if, if there must be a creator and the user's the creator type thing. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're saying Disney added that themselves i i'm saying that yeah uh i read that that once the movie came to disney from steven lisberger trying to do it on his own yeah that that's when some of these quasi-religious overtones uh, were added into into the film or at least that's that's what i read on imdb oh okay or wikipedia yeah Yeah. because because that's right like that's something that uh tron and slipstream have have in common Mm -hmm. is pretty overt religious themes mm-hmm. in them that that's right and that first um that is crom i think is that character's yes, name that's his name yeah yeah and that's right he's like basically like a creationist because he's he's like well of course i believe in the users you know yeah. where else did i come from it's sort of like uh a self-evident thing programs don't write themselves buddy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so there's a clear parallel and and what's kind of frustrating during the movie is how the official line is well it's sort of a parallel with um i guess communism and and so on those various isms that were very atheistic that just said you know god there is no god god is false or or whatever Mm -hmm. so that's the same the official line is when sark is up there in the carrier talking to the conscripts uh, he says, I just want to find this. That would be when uh, the conscripts are waiting as Sark comes in on his ship. Yeah, Sark says, 
Those of you who continue to profess a belief in the users will receive the standard, substandard training. Mm -hmm. Those of you who renounce this superstitious and hysterical belief will be eligible to join the warrior elite of the MCP. So, you know, the, the official line is that you cannot believe in the users. And mm -hmm. there's other times the big guards, you know, there's two... There's guards uh, who have these great big suits and yep. carry these staffs. And uh, when Crom first shows up, he's getting shoved in his cell. He says, my user, Mr. Henderson, is going to be very angry about this. Mm -hmm. But the guards bash him into his cell and say, oh, great, another religious nut. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so that's all going on. And yet on the bridge of the carrier the MCP and Sark in front of their, uh, subservient people sure. are clearly talking about users as yeah. real things yeah. that they're fighting against. Uh, several times they, they openly talk about users as existing and as the yeah. enemy actually. Yeah, sure. So there's this, I don't know, like a hypocrisy or an inconsistency yeah. Uh, but maybe that's born from Disney kind of shoving that element in after, but not sure. reworking really it. Really thinking it through. Yeah, not reworking enough of the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, or it could be um, the idea that, yes, Sark and NPC, they know that the users exist, but they are not to be worshipped as gods mm -hmm. because they're trying to assert themselves over the users. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've kind of actually started at the beginning of the movie, so let's do what we do and spend the next three hours <laughs> yes. making an hour and a half movie twice as long. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So yeah, we've we've got uh, the very beginning where there's, we've got, uh, what's his name, Crom being shoved into the cell and the whole introduction to, you know, users, programs, um, and whatever type of relationship they have with each other. Um, and we learn that MCP, the master control program sends programs that he can't use or doesn't want to the game grid, like gladiators being sent to the, to the Coliseum. And then we are introduced to clue who is, um, clue is Flynn's yeah. character. What's, who's, who's the actor? Oh, uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yes. Clue, who is Jeff Bridges' kind of first role in the movie. And he's is he's driving around a tank? Yeah, he's driving. Is that what he's driving around? Yeah, somehow he got a tank. And man, he is so nerdy. So when you're talking about, you know, him originally being the nerdy character, maybe like, okay, let's get my nerdiness out in, in Clue here. Because <laughs> he talks just like the way I was pronouncing Steven Lisberger. <laughs> Man, Clue is so nerdy sounding. Yeah, and it's really uneven from scene to scene. At times he's talking in this robotic, like this monotone mm -hmm. voice. And yet sometimes he will get emotional for yeah. a moment, but it's, it feels like from scene to scene, we only see Clue for a very short bit. Yeah. But he... He's all over the place as a, as a character, yeah. I think. Especially like right at the end when, when he's being 
uh, tortured by MCP and he's about to be derezzed. And like, he's really like trying to stand up to the guy and he was like sounding tough and totally yeah. not nerdy. And yeah. 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 So yeah, very so, uneven. So yeah, it sort of seems to me like maybe Clue, even though we see all of Clue's activity in the first couple minutes of the movie, maybe Clue, Clue's parts were filmed over a longer period and as mm-hmm. Flynn's character got figured out by Jeff Bridges, we saw different aspects yeah, maybe, of eh? Flynn. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So that that first few minutes kind of serves to introduce us to the computer world. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess when we start watching the movie, we don't know exactly what's going on, whether or not you know the whole movie is just this fantasy type thing. But then we find Flynn interacting with Clue. And we see that, okay, there are these two worlds. There's our world, the real world, that interacts with the computer world. Yeah. Now, is Flynn using an Apple II there at the very beginning? When he's hacking in with Clue? Yeah. I, I think it's an Apple III, actually. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Which was the very unsuccessful follow-up computer uh, yeah. that had all kinds of problems, like over, right. overheating and... And so on. But yeah, it looks like an Apple III to me. Okay. So take us to the next part of the film here. Yeah, well, so that that's right. So that's that's Flynn trying to hack in. Meanwhile, another part from the real world, and we're getting this glimpse of the connection, but we get one other glimpse of the connection between the real world and the computer world, is the camera goes to Flynn's arcade, and mm-hmm. we don't really see the kids playing, but we see an arcade cabinet, and the camera... You know, zooms into the you know the arcade screen. We're seeing a light cycles game represented just with simple pixels, but then we're inside the world and it's all the rich 3D mm-hmm. animation mm-hmm. of them having the light cycle game. And there's this back and forth where at the end, you know, we watch Sark destroy another light cycle and mm-hmm. and then it cuts back to the real world where the kid like slams his fist on the arcade cabinet and says, oh, yeah, you know, dang, uh, I lost or whatever. So it's this idea that, yeah, what when we play a game here in the real world, really there's real computer people inside there, like yeah. living it out, living and dying. Yeah. So that, that was the other little interesting cut. That's right. Okay. So yeah, con- continuing on, uh, we also are introduced to Sark and the master control program. Sark walks up and there's this kind of circle of light that surrounds him and master controls right in his face. And at the beginning, even in the computer world, Sark and master control program have a more equal kind of mm-hmm. relationship where master control says to Sark, you're getting brutal Sark, needlessly sadistic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sark takes that as a compliment. Thank you, Master Control. Um, and there's this conversation with Master Control having kidnapped or stolen programs, military programs. Mm-hmm. And he wants to send them to the game grid too. So I think about this this whole idea that there are these programs. Master Control program isn't just in charge of the NCOM computer, but he's starting to connect out over mm-hmm. the, the early internet or whatever and tap in and steal programs from other places. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, there, there's confusion. You know, as a computer programmer, there's a lot of sure confusion over like what is a program? Is it the thing that's running? Is it like is it a task yeah. running in an operating system? Is it a program listing? That there's a lot of you know, but I, I can I yeah. can ignore that. But it's good if at least the world, the fictional world, is consistent with itself, uh, which it isn't always. But but anyway, that's okay. <laughs> so so one one thing I want to talk about is mm-hmm. once Crom is shoved in his cell, uh, he meets Ram for the first yep. time, who's another character. Yeah, they have their little uh, creationist talk there about believing in the users. Of course, we believe in the users, but. Ram asks Krom, what's going on in the other sectors? I've been stuck here for 200 microseconds. Did you notice that line? Yes. So like a microsecond is a absolute measure of time. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to like a number of cycles that would be happening within the computer system. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's right, and microsecond, and even by computer time, even by computer standards, back in 1982, that's not that long of a time. No, because yeah, microseconds are millionths of seconds. Mm-hmm. They're not even like thousandths of a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're millionths of a second. So this is a tiny, tiny fraction of a second that RAM has been stuck there. Yeah, but unfortunately, I I wish they didn't do that. I know they're just basically wanting some cool computer talk. Yeah, but. There are times where the computer world and the real world do interact in... In real time. In real time. Yeah. And that takes minutes or hours. So if the computer world's really happening that long, for example, at that time, Ram and Krom are introduced to each other. Well, we know that hours have gone on, which are, yeah, millions of microseconds each second is a million mm-hmm. <laughs> microseconds, so hours. So I've been stuck here for 3.6 billion microseconds, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> that makes it unfortunate. Yeah. That Well, and, and there's another time pretty early in, in the movie where I think Flynn or somebody refers to somebody as a pirate program. And it's like, <laughs> okay, you're not a pirate in the fact that you're like, your character is not a pirate and you think you're trying to like borrow the term, like pirating software or something, <laughs> Yes, but maybe you're more like a Trojan or I don't know what you're doing <laughs> here, but I think you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And early in the movie, there's, it's like another tone shift in the movie. They will stick a computer word really awkwardly in a sentence to make it sound like, Oh, this is computer talk. Like who does mm-hmm. he calculate he is? Yeah. Right? That that kind yeah. of thing. And that almost disappeared. Although I like that line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good one. It's it's a good line, except it's strange that those instances, sure. the, the beginning of the movie has several of them. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie has almost none. Yeah. Okay. okay. One, one other thing I want to just deal, deal with so we don't have to sure. talk about anymore is how in the real world, people sit at their computer terminals Mm-hmm. And type commands. Oh my goodness. They have conversations with programs. They are horrible. Like when Flynn is trying to hack in from home on his Apple 3, 
he types in request access to clue program code six password to memory zero two two two. Huh. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that and mean? who is he requesting that of? Like <laughs> Yeah, and then like later Alan's sitting at his desk, he types master control program release tron ja3070202 dot 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 i have priority access I seven i have it's like he's trying to reason with hey, him or something like that hey, hey master don't control, you know i have priority access seven <laughs> so yeah we i we just gotta get that out of the way i guess they needed yeah. a, a way of conveying that to folks who might not understand what they're trying to do and then we'll put some letters and numbers at the end of it to make it seem like it's a computer code or something like that yeah it's just it's it's all over the place there's no syntax to it there's no it seems to me they could have done the same thing in a more computer like a a more realistic way but yeah they could have but they didn't. They, but they didn't. That's right. Okay. So we sp- spend the next little bit of time in the movie back in the real world where yeah. we set up um, the struggle that's happening um, at the Encom building and then when our friends uh, go to Flynn's Arcade. And, um, you know, it's it's really... They, they do a good job right at the beginning when Dillinger's helicopter is arriving and and that it's nighttime and it's all black, but Dillinger's helicopter has the red lines. Like they look like neon red lines. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can easily identify. Okay. Right now we've already established that the red guys in the computer world are the bad guys. And here comes this helicopter with the red lines, just like the, the red costumes on the bad guys. Definitely. It's going to be a bad guy flying in on this helicopter here too. Yeah. And so this ends up being Dillinger and yeah. So he has this conversation with, with, MCP. And I think like you were talking about earlier, Dillinger and, and well, Sark and MPC kind of seem to be a bit more on equal footing at the beginning yeah. of the, of the movie. And yeah, it's interesting that, that Dillinger is also having conversations with MPC. And I think we're led to believe at the beginning that Dillinger's the guy in charge. Yes. Um, but quickly we do learn that no MCP really is in charge of, of the whole show here. Yeah. And, and it seems to flip while we're watching, like, yeah. like MCP is well behaved. Yep. Maybe for year, like for months or years before the movie starts. Yeah. And right while we're there in Dillinger's office, MCP's, I guess, been planning and working towards mm-hmm. this point, but he flips it and now he's in charge and yep. he he blackmails Dillinger. That actually happens That's a little right. bit a little bit later. A little bit but, later. Yeah. But yeah, even at, at this scene, you know, there's the there's the first end of line that we get yeah. from MCP to Dillinger. And it's like, okay, you're mouthing off to this guy now. You think you're in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's a it's a good catchphrase though, eh? Oh yeah, it is for sure. Like how it's kind of an innocent not innocent, but it's a that end of line becomes more ominous as the movie yeah. goes yeah. on. Yeah. It, it becomes a, uh, I'm trying to think of what the, the CB trucker lingo is for when you're finished, uh, Roger over. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like saying over, but it's like, no, no, this conversation is totally over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And there's an interesting shift where MCP, towards the beginning, says, thank you, Mr. Dillinger. And mm -hmm. that's her talk. And then he stops calling him, I, I believe the Mr. gets dropped. Yeah. And the thank yous and the pleasantries disappear. Yeah. And it's like, end of line. That's <laughs> and that, right. And that is it. Yeah. Yeah. So we are introduced to our, our friend, Alan. What's Alan's last name? Alan Bradley. Alan, Dr. Alan Bradley. And he's trying to do some work. Is, and is he, he ever called a doctor? No, but his name tag says doctor. It does, eh? Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and Laura's a doctor. Yes. And Walter's a doctor as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew about Laura. I knew like they were PhD type yeah. people. Yeah. I just wasn't sure about Bradley, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And so he can't, he can't have access to his program. And so, uh, I guess it's MCP says, well, you better go up and, and talk to Dillinger about, about your Tron security program here. That That's right. Bradley's typing his terminal, apparently just about to start up his Tron program for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that's when he gets cut off your access suspended. Please report to Dillinger immediately. Authorization master control program. End of line. How does a, a program, even a master control program, get to authorize things like that? Yeah. Uh. So that that's right. So yeah, Alan gets cut off from his program. This is a really cool scene. I, I don't know why they put so much work into this, but Alan stands up in his cubicle. Mm -hmm. And there is, did you notice the matte painting in that scene? Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah stretching off to the towards the upper right corner of the screen it's like a thousand tens cubicles, of thousands of yeah. cubicles stretching off to the horizon so yeah. tiny if you if you really look at it you think man that is a lot of cubicles it's not just it's like impossible really yeah. i i think like yeah. so that's pretty cool oh and actually <laughs> I, I paused that frame and on the high definition version on Disney plus, you can really see it nicely and mm. you can figure out that you can't get to a bunch of those cubes. Like, oh, no, eh? like there, there's a whole bunch of cubes. There, there's one group that is a connected group of cubes, but there's no exit from those four. Like there's, sure. there's four people who could be in their cubes, but they can't leave. <laughs> and then there's this other hallway that goes back and then there's a whole bunch of, but, but anyway, it, it's, it's an kind of an impossible yeah. thing. And I guess that was done on purpose, like maybe sending a message about cubes. Yeah. Then a guy pops his head up for a, fam <laughs> a famous weird line. Can I borrow your popcorn maker yeah, there? Can I borrow your popcorn? Goes, hey, Alan, think I can have some of your popcorn? And then Alan says, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, go ahead. Now, you know who that person is? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, maybe. You maybe tell me. That's, it's Ram. Yes, it's Ram. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I didn't notice. I didn't know that before this viewing. Yeah. And I don't think it's right here at the very beginning. I think later on when uh, when Alan goes back to his cube, you can see um, some of the stuff that's in his cube besides his popcorn machine. Yeah. But I he's got, thought he's you got would a, want to say that. He's got the uh, Klaatu Baradu Nikto sign from uh, Gort. From, uh, oh, oh, what's it called? Not War of the Worlds. Yeah, I, th I thought you were going to like really think that's so cool because that you were all into oh, yeah, that, were you? Oh, yeah, I totally did, yeah. I just can't think of the name of what it's called right now. What's the name of the movie that it's from? The Day the, day the, the Earth, Earth Stood, Stood Still. still. Yeah. Yes. 
that's right. Yep. So that's cool. Of course, Gort is on the cover of Ringo Starr's Calling Vienna as well. (laughs) And Canadian psychedelic rock band from the early 70s, Klaatu, borrowing their name from the character as well, calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Yeah. Was that phrase like one of the first geek inside reference maybe eh? you know because you know what i'm saying like those kind of yeah that nerds who are into sci-fi and space movies and stuff would would be able to it would be their shibboleth they could they could speak it to each other and and they would know what's going on and yeah oh you're into into sci-fi too eh? great so yeah it's cool that ram does appear in the real world Mm-hmm. as well just ever so briefly unnamed you know but he's yep. there and there's another kind of major character when dillinger first goes into his office yeah there's somebody standing there who does get a oh. name okay peter peter there's just this guy thank yeah. you thank you peter you can go yeah and peter says okay mr and dillinger he and he goes that- and is peter like one of sark's henchman or something like yeah, that he, in the... he's like the number one it's a super minor role mm-hmm. but he's around in a few scenes and he's uh you you null unit uh sark oh yeah that's sark, a great insult yeah too, eh? sark calls this guy a null unit and that is peter oh right on. and tron Good. and tron assassinates P- like he, tron <sighs> like kills peter near the end of the yeah. movie Okay. And it's kind of set up like it's supposed to be a big deal, but you're like, okay, some guy died. <laughs> yep. Some program. <laughs> some program. Shut off. Yeah. Derez. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But we don't see Peter again in the real world. That's right. Bum, oh, bum, yeah. Bum. He's, he's gone. And Okay. And the one other thing about the cubes, there's a, a parallel between yep. how the cubes are presented and something in the computer world. Can you think of what it is? The game grid, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or like the like specifically where they do light cycles? Mm-hmm. No. 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 Um maybe the the plateau where master control program lives. Nah. It kinda goes up and it's got all the little chippy choppy stuff. Nah. No, I don't know. The what? jail cells. Oh if you sure. look at how it's yeah. it's like each of those programs get shoved into those jail cells yeah. those holding areas sure but the way they're shot and presented and stuff it's extreme parallel i think yeah with yeah. with the cubicles there in that yeah, cube for farm. sure yeah the open top and yep yeah, yeah. yeah for sure yeah so that's yeah that's great did we even know about cube i guess cubicles existed in 1982 of course they did right but yeah i guess so but well maybe it's just because i was a kid yeah. And it wasn't until the nineties that I really started thinking about, oh, cubes. And, you know, I got a job mm-hmm. where I was in a cube and it feels like when I was a kid, places of employment like that didn't have cubes. The equivalent would be an open office, like in a newsroom or something. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be walled cubes. It would be, you know, a whole bunch of desks in one area. You mm-hmm. know what I'm, you know yeah, I'm talking, I know about? What you're talking about? Yeah. Where a boss, like in nine to five. Yeah. I just watched nine to five recently. Oh, did you? Yeah, because oh yeah, because because somebody that, was talking about nine to five video game typing nine, tutor. Nine to five typing. Yeah, that's why I was watching that was you. Yeah, I made that video that included nine to five typing on Eight Bit Show and Tell, and I thought I gotta watch this movie, 
and uh, yeah, they're all they're all out in the open office. So Alan goes up to talk to to Dillinger in his office to find out why he doesn't have his access. And Dillinger's all nicey nice. Say, oh, Alan, you know, we'll figure this out. We'll get you and your your folks running in in a couple days or so. Okay, is Dillinger the boss, and he doesn't care that Alan's not going to be working for a couple days yeah. for him? Yeah. Or is Dillinger just kind of running like the IT department, and so he just doesn't care what you know Alan and his research department's <laughs> going to be doing for the next couple of days without computers anyway? Yeah. It seems a little bit strange that he's just so laissez-faire about the whole thing yeah you you think that alan would say okay so you know i'm not going to be doing any work for the until you get this straightened out yeah yeah (laughs) or maybe because they used to be peers not too long ago maybe three years ago they were and so maybe there's kind of that yeah technically you're my boss right now but you know we're equals type yeah attitude between the two of them and, and yeah, and that's when Alan talks first talks about Tron. Is that yeah? yeah. Oh, I'm work like Dillinger says. So what yeah, are you? Right. What are you working on anyway? Oh, I'm I'm working on this thing called Tron. It's a it's a security program, and oh, part of the master control. No, no, it'll be independent. It'll watchdog the MCP. Yeah. And Dillinger's like, oh, well, I'm sure uh, a couple days. Yeah, and and that this is when then Bradley leaves. And that's when things shift right there between MCP mm-hmm. and Dillinger. Yeah. It's like, I'm disappointed in you, Dillinger, mm-hmm. because, you know, I can't, you can't have that Tron program running. Yeah. So, so what do we learn here? Is that Tron is not running currently. Yeah, that's right. Right? But, well, Tron is in there, but Tron isn't running. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because when Flynn gets there. Yeah. Tron exists. Yeah, Tron's there and Tron's oh, he fights for the users. Yeah. Okay, so we'll keep we'll keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll ignore that for now. <laughs> and then Alan heads down to laser bay number one. Yes. It's got its own button in the elevator. Yeah, it's its own. And laser special... bay one is huge. Yes. And it, like okay, like Flynn comes back there with Laura later on and and has to get to her um her terminal. Her terminal. Yeah. But Man, they're climbing up ladders and stairs and ducking under machinery and stuff. It's like, man, I don't know. Maybe I'd prefer to be in the in the cube farm than having to, you know, go over this uh, military obstacle course to get to my terminal every morning, like Laura seems to have to do. That has a laser pointed at my back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, so Laura and Walter are are setting up for their for their digitization thing yeah. in the lab. Yeah, one one of the funniest things is Walter really they put an orange on this stand. That's what's going to be digitized, mm-hmm. right? And Walter's got this great big beefy dial that's like numbered zero to one hundred or something. Okay, yeah. And he really precisely is turning the single dial yeah. with great focus. But it's just one dial. And yeah, exactly. He's, he's just kinda, put on the number you want. Yeah, and he's kind of eyeballing the orange. As if he's estimating, like all this whole science that has gone into this, yeah. and he's eyeballing, uh, right about yeah, there. about there, seventy eight, and <laughs> you know, is when he turns the dial to or yeah. something, and that's a bit goofy, but you know, he's yeah. he's he's doing science. That's right. Yeah, and and this is where we get introduced to Laura, 
to Laura, yes. Yeah, that's and right. she's she's actually sitting at that terminal. Yep. Typing away, and uh, Walter's being a nerd about here goes nothing, and here comes something. Well, actually, and... here here comes nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Laura's we, going, yeah, yeah, being yeah. All pedantic. Yep. <laughs> Let's just turn on the laser and see what happens. Yeah. So they start the experiment, and there's like all the honking, like the, the yes. gronk, gronk alarms. Yeah, do I think not we call those klaxons. Klax, klaxons, thank you, honk honk, and <laughs> yeah, and there's this great big do not enter sign flashing, and all this. Put on your goggles. Put on your goggles. Okay, is that a person who's telling everybody what's happening? You know, lasers going to be turned on. Put on your goggles, or is that? A computer voice that's telling everybody to yeah. do that? I wasn't quite sure, but put yeah. on your goggles. <laughs> At the last moment, there could be lasers bouncing around laser bay number one. Yeah. So what's kind of hilarious about, okay, then the the experiment happens, I guess for the very first time, they mm -hmm. digitize an orange and it disappears. And then, yeah. and then I guess it gets reconstructed, but they, they actually don't bother to show that part. Uh, no. they, they imply it, I guess the special effects to do it twice or too much, or they don't want to play it backwards. So, so they're all like, yay, it worked. And, you know, Walter manages to get a hug with Laura there. And yeah. then, and then what happens during that whole time, that was all like the greatest science High security experiment yep. of the world. Everything's locked down, must wear goggles, must yep. huddle for safety. Oh, Al Flynn's there. No, Alan. No, Alan's there. Alan just walks in. He's clap. He's standing at the top of the stairs. Yeah. Going, yeah. yay, congratulations with no safety gear. It's like hey, he- You're not even wearing a white lab coat. He wandered Actually, in. probably are. Yeah. He yeah. wandered in during the experiment. Yeah. Like that's how safe, like the safety protocols here. There could have been a stray laser bouncing around <laughs> into your eye, Alan. And those glasses wouldn't cut it. Nope. <laughs> And this is when uh, Alan tells both Laura and Walter yep. that he's got his group access has been... Group 7 access group seven has been removed. Group, group yes. Milk. So Alan and Laura leave. Yep. And what are they driving? A big Encom van. Yeah. Like a The huge... black company van. Yeah. Why, why, are they, why are they driving that around? Do they not have their own vehicle? Do they think they're on company business? Yeah. But hey... When you're parking, don't put your coins in the meter. We're going to need them for the games. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The movie's full of funny little overdubs like that, that mm -hmm. it's like, I, I guess Lisberger or whoever thought it would be a good idea. Like, we need a little bit more information here. Yeah. Say this. Let's have some laughs. Yeah. We got to put these little overdubs in. So, yeah, I don't know why they're driving a company vehicle around. They weren't even planning on going and seeing Flynn at first. Mm -hmm. They're, I guess, just going home. Yeah. So, even if they get a company vehicle, why would it be a giant 15, a massive... 15 passenger company van? Eh? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's a strange thing to be driving. But, yeah. yeah, they decide, you know what? Our friend. Flynn can my, help us out. My ex-boyfriend, Flynn. My, that's right. That's what Alan says. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because apparently he's he's the genius of the group. Like everybody's smart, but he's the hacker man who yeah. can do what needs to be done. So they show up to Flynn's arcade. Now, did you pause the film to see what games you could identify in the arcade? I spotted a few interesting ones, but... Okay. Wait, you, you tell me. 
Well, I I tried to find as many of them as I could. So oh, I found wow. uh, I found football. I found subattack, space war. I think Astro Invaders, um, a Universal Cabinet space something or other. Uh, I think the one of the games is Superbug. Oh, it's okay. like one of these kind of driving up and downy type games. A game called M79 Ambush. Battlezone is there. Now, Battlezone is probably the most yeah. Tronny type game going on yes. in there. Asteroids Deluxe. I think it's Bosconian side art that I saw. Berserk, Atari Basketball, Atari Sprint. Um, yeah, Ast- there was... Asteroids Deluxe. Did you say that one? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Berserk, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, um, as far as pinballs go, there's some game called Trizone Power Play, and there's a, a who's that boxer Ali Muhammad Ali um, pinball game there as well. Journey is playing on the public address system on the <laughs> yeah. PA, and what about Grandma and Grandpa yes. walking through the arcade there? Yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. And, and is Grandma wearing a lab coat? Like maybe <laughs> it's just because they just left Laser Lab Bay Number One. And everyone was wearing like their lab coats and stuff. Yeah. I kind of got a little confused or something because there's this white haired woman walking through with what looks like a lab coat. And it's like, okay, maybe she came from NCOM as well. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, she's with the man. Wait, that's grandma and grandpa. What are grandma and grandpa doing at the arcade? Because it seems to be a real happening place. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, there are a few odd characters there in that arcade. It's, I yeah. don't know why, why they're in there. Yeah, and then the, then we get introduced to Flynn in his element, surrounded by his fans, mm-hmm. playing his arcade, his well, game. Well, yeah, exactly. So, like, yes, this is an NCOM game, but we learn that they that Dillinger stole Space Paranoids from him. Yeah. Okay, they stole Space Paranoids from him, yet Flynn's arcade is the home of Space Paranoids. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Do they have exclusive rights to have the game at that arcade? (laughs) Flynn, who programmed the game, is also getting the high score. Oh, he's going for a world record. Well, big deal. This is apparently the only arcade you can play this game at. (laughs) No, I I think... And this is the guy who wrote the game. Yeah. No, I, I think that must just be that he put that up on the sign and nobody's Hmm. challenged him on it. Okay. I th- I think That's that fair. must be his little he did that and yep. Dillinger sticking his nose at. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and Encom hasn't fought him on that because they he says there's like whatever 80 million quarters a week are going into this game. And, yeah. 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 And I don't see a du- 80 million quarters are going into these machines. It's still each week. 2 million dollars. And I don't And see, I don't see a dime. And I don't see a dime. <laughs> And I don't see a quarter. Uh, yeah. No, no, you don't even see a dime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that grandma and grandpa there are hilarious. And they're all like, ooh, he's going to win the record. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, he's he's got all these... Yeah. Somebody's going for a kill screen over here on uh, Donkey Kong. You might want to come take a look. <laughs> now, the Space Paranoids game looks really cool, you know, that, that Flynn mm-hmm. is playing. But... But... Like... Does that really? There's look not like that a, much to it. Does that look like a world record effort there, where he's? No, it's like okay, shooting. I'm waiting for somebody to come. There it is. Shoot, 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 shoot. bang! Yeah, I got the world record. Because <laughs> you shot one more, 
of yeah. the things. Yeah. You've got maybe what, seven instead of the previous record, which was maybe six? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like world record effort. No, no. To, why did it take him about four shots to get that recognizer mm-hmm. aim? Don't you think he'd get it first shot? I don't know. Those are the things that we notice. Yes. And yeah, basically we find out that formerly there was a relationship. Laura has had a relationship with Flynn and now with Alan. That's right. Uh, but everyone's still friends. But we can be friends mostly. enough. We can be friends yeah. enough to do this. That's right. And yeah, and, and also Bradley. So yeah, they discover that it is Flynn who has been setting off the MCP and mm-hmm. got everybody, got group seven blocked. Right. Because they noticed this. Uh, so they're going to go in and they hatch this plan. Oh, I can forge group six access. Which maybe isn't as good as great group seven access, or maybe it's one better than group seven access. It's probably one worse because you would think. I don't know. Maybe group one access is the best. So who has that? I, I don't know. Because if you. But anyway. Yeah. They're going to go back to MCOM and try to hack in and get their access back, but they have to do it from Laura's terminal. They have to have a dedicated terminal at MCOM to yeah, do Yeah, they got to be inside to do it, eh? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so when, when they're doing that, there's one other conversation that happens. Walter himself goes up to talk to Dillinger. Right. Yeah, that's right. And this is kind of the end of Walter's story right here as mm-hmm. far as the, the movie goes. The but, real world goes, yeah. But, but it's an important one. Mm-hmm. Is that at first they're, they're kind of, uh, Walter and Dillinger having a fairly Walter, I sympathize, but I have yep. data coming from the master control program yep. and it quickly escalates where the MCP is the problem. And mm-hmm. I can't sit here and worry about every little user request that comes in. And but user requests are what computers are for. for. Yeah. And then, no, doing our business is what computers are for. Our spirit remains in every program <laughs> we designed for this computer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And com- so it's, it's I a- have better things to do than have religious discussions with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can remove men like Alan and me from the system, but we help create it and our spirit That's remains. Right. Yeah. 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 So- it's an interesting take. It does underline the idea that the computer world is a mere universe. Yeah. And I think Walter's putting forward that it's kind of like a spiritual universe. It's yep. a place that you can't really, you can't see it and you can't touch it directly. You can't go there. You can't go there easily. Well, unless yeah. you have your own laser well, yeah, or whatever. Exactly. But yeah, it's it's spiritual in that sense. And yet, of course, it's still real. Or at least mm-hmm. Walter is suggesting yep. that's real. Yeah. And and Dillinger is following the company line of nope, that's that's religious nut nut business. Nuttery. Nuttery. That's right, yes. <laughs> that's a word, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's it's like, yeah, the, the computer or the the programmers give life to the programs. Not only do they they actually create their structure, but it's it's their spirit, which enlivens them almost. Yeah. It's kind of, I think, what, what Walter's getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think this was yeah. my first viewing where I clued into the fact that it seems like Walter started NCOM, right? Yeah. He was like one of the original, you know, I found it, me and Wozniak 
yes. founded this in my garage, right? Yeah. It's one of those kind of things. Yeah, that this is the that that's right. That I think this is a very deliberate, if it's not Apple itself, where Dillinger says, This isn't the company you started in your garage anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's kind of neat uh, mm-hmm. that it is a callback to technology companies that started in garages. Yeah. And this is when we find out that the MCP, after Walter storms out of there, mm-hmm. MCP is very much in charge now. Yeah. Uh, this is where the blackmail comes in? Yeah, the or, blackmail yeah. about how, that's right, MCP has information on Dillinger that he would, you know, send to the newspapers or whatever yeah Yeah. and then our heroes show up at the loading dock or something yeah with the the, with the really big door and i was i was thinking man that's a really big door (laughs) and then flynn makes the comment this is a really Really big big door yeah (laughs) that is a really big door yeah I, I love how they're standing around while it's opening and it is ridiculous. Oh, this is taking like a hundred million <laughs> microseconds. That's a really big door. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they hack their way in there. It's funny that they run through the door and they don't seem to do anything to try and they don't close, close the door. No. So you, you would think that if you open the super heavy duty <laughs> secure door, you try to sneak in, you wouldn't just leave it open. Maybe like another alarm will go off if you leave it open for too long. <laughs> you know, maybe that's something the security system would put in there. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. But maybe they left it open so the cameraman could follow them in. Uh, Alan heads to his desk to start trying to hack, get Tron running. Get Tron ready to go. Yeah. And so but... m- maybe this is where Tron actually gets running. Like you were asking earlier. Yeah. So first of all, I thought Alan couldn't do anything until Flynn successfully forged. Yeah. Yeah. And so he starts doing that. Maybe he's successful, but he doesn't seem to give any of that information to Alan. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Yes. So we assume that's when Tron starts running is Alan's at his desk and Flynn for whatever reason, Laura thinks the best place to put him is in front of that big laser That's at, right. at her terminal. I guess it is her terminal. It's still, I guess. it's a very stupid place for a terminal. <laughs> it is. Or it, a dumb place for a laser. Well, yeah, but this whole laser, like, this is the thing. That whole thing is a laser, isn't it? I and, guess so. It all comes to its focal point. At Laura's at back. Laura's back. Yeah, where she yep. works. It's very strange. This is my life's work. That's right. Don't wreck it. Yeah, don't wreck it. I, hey, I, where does she go anyway? Oh, I don't know. She drops off Flynn. Yeah, we, we don't see her in the real world until the very end of the movie at this point, right? Yeah, she just takes off. Yeah, and we actually don't see her in the computer version of the world for quite a while either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she just kind of disappears for a while. Yeah. I think it's at this point where, um, yeah... In this whole, that's a big door, let's go to the laser terminal chair stuff, that's when MPC is uh, blackmailing Dillinger. Um, he's yeah. got the do what I, now do what I ask end of line line, which is great. But also on Dillinger's desk, which also serves as his, his touchscreen yeah. uh, computer type thing, which is pretty cool. They've got a picture of that long MPC command carrier ship that Sark is flying around in 
in the Tron world um, as NPC is talking about, oh, you know, I want to get into the Pentagon and stuff like that. So I thought, oh, that's neat. Like that ship. Oh, well, okay. So in Dillinger's office, there's the command carrier? Like on on his desk screen. Yeah. Oh, what if I ever noticed that before? That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah, and so Flynn's logging in at Laura's direct terminal. I guess he's hacking his thing. Access code six, password series, <laughs> PS17. I typed these out, eh? Okay. Reindeer flotilla. That's awesome. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, but that's my password. password yeah. You, you shouldn't have come back, Flynn. Okay, this is strange. NPC recognizes Flynn as he logs in, but he can't, it sounds like he can't really do anything to stop him. Yeah. And for, he's able to turn on the digitizer laser thing. Yeah. For a while, it's like Flynn is typing commands and master Mm -hmm. control program is printing back responses, but, but it's also read out in MCP's voice. Yeah. But presumably... Flynn can't hear that. That's just for the audience. Yeah, I kind of, I was under the impression that that Flynn could hear him, just like Dillinger can hear him when he's speaking oh, to him. Yeah, maybe in the office, right? Flynn, yeah. Well, if you look at Flynn's face, he seems oblivious to the speech, and is. I just, think he's just aloof and doesn't care, and he knows he's better than MCP. He seems to be interacting, like he seems to be responding to what he sees on the screen. But yeah. not to what we're hearing. Anyway, it's just something yeah. to think about yeah. if you ever watch that For again. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess Flynn is is giving commands to MCP at the same time to kind of slow him down. Like he's giving him these difficult blockchains to solve or whatever. <laughs> yes, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Code. So that, that he can try to sneak in and do what he needs to do. Yeah, he types in code series LSU-123 dot 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 activate mm-hmm. uh, so and <laughs> activate <laughs> activate that's what the dot 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 means <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there's a definite 2001 inspired like from the movie 2001 mcp says i'm afraid mm. on screen it says i'm afraid you can't you know i'm afraid i yeah, can't yeah. let you do that but the voice says i'm afraid and cuts off Oh. Almost like I'm afraid, like this yeah. is when Hal is being yeah, yeah. ripped apart yeah. and then MCP says, stop. And then he's in a scared voice, please, Yeah, you realize I can't allow this. Yeah. And it's very much like, mm. it's very much like a scared computer. Yeah. Reacting to reacting. being shut down. Yeah. But then yeah. he gets more confident again. You're entering a big error, Flynn. I'm going to have to put you on the game grid. Yeah. And that's when the laser gets triggered. Yeah. And down he goes. And the 2001 parallel continues that. After, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. After Flynn's being digitized, they do. Exa- and he travels through the computer hallucination tunnel thing. Yeah. It's yeah. just like oh, the, I was totally thinking two thousand one there yeah. as well. Yeah, it's yep. just it's just like almost exactly like going mm-hmm. through the two thousand one the when they fly into yep. the time. Why can't I think of what it's called in two thousand one? Into the portal, into the the monolith. The monolith, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, can I just say it because everyone's thinking it? Yeah. You're digitizing a person, and, and Walter is, explains this to us earlier that this is happening at the atomic level, but when we see it, it's like, well, I'm taking like one finger at a time. <laughs> it's yeah, very one, coarse digitization. One, one knuckle at a time or something. Yeah, or a couple knuckles. Yeah, yeah that's right. Two knuckles, yeah. yeah. Okay, just wanted to say that. <laughs> For the yeah. sake of time, we're just going to do like a few bits of the hand all at once. <laughs> that's that's right. So yeah, so Flynn finally, we're 30 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. And Flynn has arrived in the computer world. Mm-hmm. And Flynn is getting escorted into one of those cells, those cubes. He's, did you know he's video game unit 18? Oh, I didn't know that. At that point in the movie, yeah. Okay. Only number 18. They they must recycle numbers. Oh, maybe they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem like very many. Yeah. And so he gets a cell next door to Ram. Yeah. And MCP informs Sark. Sark says, what kind of program is this new one that you're sending me? He's not any kind of program. He's mm-hmm. a user. Yes. But users wrote us. Users even wrote you, MCP. Do you really think the users are still there? Oh, wait, but that's, that's, yeah, no, I'm sorry. That's a line from Ram Yeah, a little bit after. Yeah. Yeah. I use, yeah. Users wrote us. A user even wrote you. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So yeah, we already talked. So all the new recruits, wherever they're coming from, all get lined up. And we already talked about that with the sashes over the shoulder mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that you can renounce your belief in the users. So you can yep. join the warrior elite. I thought that it had a very Star Wars vibe as all of the all of the conscripts were being marched out into maybe that's a hangar bay or something like that. Oh, yeah. Sark's ship arrives and it's playing the music, but everyone's kind of marching and it's kind of got the same marchy kind of stormtrooper feel to it. And I imagine that that Disney, there's a couple points in this movie that to me were very Star Warsy. Yeah. And I'm sure that Disney was really kind of happy to get that that feel from its movie yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. that's so right. This was one of them. Yeah, Flynn sees Tron fighting, and he does this mm-hmm. dramatic fight where he's taking on four guys at once. With one and, Frisbee. With one Frisbee, yeah. <laughs> Everybody waits their turn to attack him yeah. so he can get them one by one. So Tron is there now. Yeah. So is that he's just running. in the time? Yeah, what, how did Tron get running? But he got captured. We don't really understand. We don't understand, but it's important for that character to be in the movie. Yeah. So he is. So he is there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're introduced to Ram, uh, or Mm -hmm. Ram and Flynn meet each other in their jail cells Mm -hmm. and their cubicles. Yeah. They are right next to each other. Right next to each other. Can I have some popcorn there, Flynn? Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead, Ram. Yeah. Uh, Ram was an actuarial program. I like how Mm -hmm. uh, Flynn gets bored Ram lights up. Oh, I used I I was an actuarial program. I worked for a big insurance company. It really gives me a great feeling to uh, help people plan for their future. (laughs) And and Flynn just got to cyberspace and he's our, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Thanks. No, that's good. (laughs) You really feel that Ram honestly believes that. I think he does. Oh, and, he's the, and he's a he seems like a good guy trying to help people out. Yeah, I want to talk about. I think every program is super sincere. Yeah, is there That's any right. program? The only flippant guy in the whole place 
is Flynn, who's a user. Yeah. And I think every program is just... Yeah. Like, do they ever use sarcasm? Do they ever... They're happy to follow their instructions. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Maybe some of the guards are a little bit flippant or something, but mm -hmm. still overall, yeah. Okay. And so Flynn, Crom is finally going to get have a fight. Yeah. So this is after Crom's been there for about a billion microseconds or, or <laughs> yeah. whatever, right? And yeah. <laughs> do you notice a weird emotion? This is a battle to the death. Yeah. Where maybe Flynn's not aware of it. Yeah. But by now, Crom Must be. Must be. Yeah. But he's all like, you probably- But Crom's- Happy to engage and perhaps kill this new guy. Yeah, and... at the be yeah at the beginning, Crom's like you. You probably think because he's like a chubby kind of yeah. you know engineering program or whatever accountant. Yeah, he says something like, "You probably think you're going to wipe me right out, don't you?" Mm -hmm. Talking about his own imminent death. Yeah, and he even then Crom actually scores the first point and knocks one mm -hmm. of the rings out. We're in this ring game. Yep. Uh, and he kind of actually laughs after it, like, ha ha, mm -hmm. but not like an evil, ooh, nope. I almost killed you. It's kind of like, oh yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Or I'm winning. Yeah. And, and then it gets totally serious after. Sure. Because then it, it really is. It's life and death. It's, oh yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so it gets to that point where. Crom is just kind of hanging off one of like the last ring, basically over the abyss, and and Sark is yelling down at at Flynn, you know, mm -hmm. finish the game. Yes, Flynn says, "No, I'm not going to do this. Just kill him." He says, no. Yeah, it's it's like that gladiator, very much right. Like the yeah. the, the, the thumbs up, thumbs thumbs down. up, down. Yeah, yeah, from the 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 king or whatever. But poor Crom does end up falling poor to his Krom. death through no fault of Flynn. And down he goes. Yeah. Yep. Sark presses the button that gets rid of the ring. Boop, and yeah. down you go. Yeah. And, and then some guards appear to escort Flynn out. Yeah. Did you notice how that game shuts down at the end? Like the lights go out while they're walking off the the little catwalk out the exit. Okay. I'm trying to picture it. Yeah. Yeah. I can picture them walking on. Yeah. And when the they, them, but, when they yeah. walk off, then the lights go out in kind of a sequence towards the door, but they cut away. But the way the animation works, I'm sure that all th the guards and probably Flynn too would have all fallen to the abyss before they reached the exit. <sighs> yeah. The timing. They're just shutting off too fast. Yeah. Sh they shut off too quick. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Robin, it seems like we've got more energy for some reason. <laughs> I think we can let on to our users that this is like a, a double header tonight. We're here for night two. Anyway, we're continuing on. So if with we, Tron, if we sound, our users will think, "Oh, everything is normal. They just they're just keeping on going." But us, nope. This is night two yeah. of Tron. <laughs> So where you and I just left off, Robin. Yes. Um, Flynn and Ram and Tron kind of getting ready to go on the game grid. They're having a little chin wag yep. before they're put out to fight against these <laughs> light cycles. Yeah. And their brand new Flynn and Tron have never met in person. Mm -hmm. 
before. So here they are in in person. Is that in program before? Yeah, yeah, whatever you would say that is. And and so Flynn kind of recognizes Tron as Alan and yeah. understands that he needs to befriend him so that he can get Tron to help so that they can get access to the system and, and do what they need to do. Yeah. But he's not really letting on yet that he isn't a program, that he himself is a user. Yes. He's kind of, he's kind of keeping that from Tron. Right yeah, now. and you, and Tron's kind of almost offended or bothered. Why, you know, why are you calling me Alan? That's the name of my user. That's right. Right? So that's kind of almost like, uh, I wonder if for Tron, he doesn't even let other people know who his user is. Sure. Maybe other programs. I keep saying people. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, because it's almost like that's uh, like a personal thing or like that's my god oh, or yeah. that's my, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. There that's might right. be Don't some use that. that name. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Who are you to use that name? <laughs> yes. Don't take the name of my user in vain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's the, a little bit of an exchange goes along there. You know, uh, Tron is, is telling Flynn what his user wants him to do and... Uh, Actually, I think it goes this way. And then Flynn says, oh, yeah, my user wants that as well. Yes. My user wants that too. We're going to take down the MCP. So they, they get in their, they get in their bikes. Their, their bikes form. They grab their handles. Yeah, suddenly they have these handles. They're like these sticks. I think the novelization spells out that they have these kind of sticks or rods that they carry around. Yeah. And they can, they form the bike. Mm -hmm. And they actually keep them with them well, later. Okay. Yeah. Kind so of like their disc or something like that? Yeah, it's kind of like a disc, but it's this other handle thing that I guess they keep somewhere in their person. You never actually <laughs> see them carry them around, but uh, in the movie. And, oh yeah, and, and they're also facing off against these three red guys who don't have a lot to say, eh? But it's like... That's right. There's like this waiting room. And actually, it reminds me of in laser tag do you oh, remember yeah. do you remember when we used to play laser tag at ron's yes, virtual world yeah i was thinking about that the other day i think we were in the neighborhood and the building is now owned by a quasi government organization or some sort of social service organization that probably gets government funding yes um and i was just wondering do they still have the laser tag area in the back of the building or they for sure they must have taken it down, right? Like that's not still there. Yeah. But it, is it still there? I wish it still <laughs> is there. I'm pretty sure I heard it got torn down. I ended up being office mates. I got a real job in 2019 for about like nine months there. I had an office mm -hmm. job here in town and I sat opposite the son of the guy who bought Ron's virtual world, the arcade okay. and the laser yep. stuff. So I got all this inside information about what happened to Ron's and all, and all that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, as far as I know, all the stuff, basically they, they got rid of everything that was unprofitable and that was mostly like laser tag right. and yeah, yeah, a lot yes. of that stuff. Just to make things crystal clear for our, our users at home, Ron's Virtual World, it sounds like the name of an arcade, and it was. Um, it was an arcade in the later days of arcades, and it had a, a laser tag arena and, and some... It was owned by the fellow who was one of the big operators in town the way last, back in the late 70s and early 80s, yeah. Yeah, and the, he was the last remaining operator he was in the town. Last, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, in 
in that laser tag area. That's the only time I've encountered this idea of there being a room about the same size as in Tron, where it's like, here's my team lined up on mm. one, one wall of the room, and there's the other, and we're about to go into an arena for yeah, battle. So that's, battle. So that's why it feels like almost the same thing, eh? Sure, yeah, yeah. heading in for laser tag. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And just like... Um, when all the conscripts were being marched out um, as Sark's command ship was coming in earlier in the movie. And I said, you know, it's really got a nice Star Wars vibe going on. Uh-huh. I found the beginning of the light cycle battle to have another real good Star Wars vibe going on, especially with like the two teams calling out to each other. Oh, it's gold leader here. And oh, it's red leader here. And <laughs> yes. all that's so, like, that could totally be lifted straight out of Star Wars. But, and even as they're, I was going to say flying around the arena, even as they're driving around the, the arena, you know, it's just kind of like they're in their X wings doing their thing and, yeah. and getting in there for the dog fight. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is nice looking like this. This is oh, yeah. amazing art for the time and it still totally holds up today watching mm-hmm. just the the look of the bikes the look of the arena and the sound of it fantastic sound design and that whole transformation sequence well i call it transformation when yeah. when the light cycle forms around them as they bend over that's just all so cool yeah yeah and you're you're right i i wrote the the quotes down this is blue leader to blue bikes run these guys into your jet walls, <laughs> copy blue leader. Yeah. So it's that kind of, this movie is full of those kind of goofy explanatory or what, what's the word you're giving this extra information for the yes. sake of the audience through dialogue. Yeah. And it's, so do you really think that they would wait till they're, I mean, haven't these guys ever done the battle arena? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, thank you for the tip. That's what I'm supposed to be doing here. Good God, my jet walls. Yeah, I got good. Right, (laughs) right. And, and of course, they didn't discuss this while they were waiting in the waiting room, facing, you know, team strategy. The other team might have heard them. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) But they'll say it on the radio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and there's also, this is gold one to gold two and three, split up and take them one-on-one. And right. yeah, and of course they get the yellow, orange, and red bikes. And like you were saying, this is reversed where the mm-hmm. bad guys have the blue bikes and the good guys have, yeah. I think we already talked about that. So Yeah, we did. We yeah, talked okay. about how that color may have changed early yeah. on in the production. Now, the, the one thing that bugs me about digital racing games in general is that mm-hmm. how... How does one bike pull ahead of another bike? That's what my fingers on my notes here. Okay, about. you tell me what, what's. Oh, I have no idea. I was just going to ask you what determines the speed of these bikes. Like, how are they jockeying for position? Just oh, I'm a little bit faster. Oh no, I'm slowing down. Like, are they pedaling the bikes? I, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, their force of will. They they grip yeah, their yeah, teeth harder. Yeah. And, yeah. Now, of course. There is a burst mode in the actual video game, mm-hmm. so may- maybe that does solve it. That you have a limited, okay. you have a limited amount of boost. Yeah, and they're just kind of feathering the throttle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you uh, just kind of crank it up and let it rebuild yeah. a little. And sure, but yeah, otherwise it's kind of like, uh, what's going on? Like, what are the yeah. other physics here? So they have the big battle, and Tron manages. The first kill, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. he and and yep. he causes a bike to crash into the wall. Yes. 
and it makes so big... he's not using the same strategy it's not use causing them to drive into their jet flare whatever it's their called jet walls them. their jet walls you're driving into the arena wall and you're making that big crack smash thing so what's funny about this is you would think like is this really the first time that has ever happened yeah because you somebody's think... driven into the wall yeah because we we saw uh, hundreds of millions of milliseconds ago, <laughs> we saw a kid playing the light cycles yeah. game in the arcade with Sark. And, yeah. you know, so how many more games of light cycles have played since then? Is this the first time somebody's put a hole in the wall and we just happen to be there for it? That's right. It and was, if it isn't the first time it's happened. Why didn't they fix the bug? That's right. Oh, Except, did Flynn actually originally program light cycles? Ooh, yeah. And so it's his bug. And can the MCP program itself? Mm. So maybe Flynn knew there's a bug in the game, essentially, right? Sure. Yeah. Like a memory access, like an yeah. overflow bug. Yeah. That would allow a hole to be made in the game grid. Actually, you know what? It does map to a it's real, good. if you yeah. if you think of a real like C64 game where mm -hmm. you put a border around the screen and then you mm -hmm. do collision detection, you don't, yep. you don't check the X and Y boundaries in yes, this case. Right. If, yeah. If you're using like some sort of character as the yeah. collision and not doing your positional checks. Yeah. Then yeah, just make a hole in the wall yes. and you're free to go. Yeah. So you could have a bug where you accidentally, the, the enemy bike explosion gets plotted on top of the wall, mm -hmm. corrupts part of the wall by mistake. And yep. then. Then you're free to drive into the score. Yeah. You can drive. Place on the screen or into color memory or wherever you want to go. Yeah. And in fact, Paradroid has a bug just like oh, yeah. that where you can edge into the wall and if you kind of just get it right, or maybe you bounce off of another, mm -hmm. um, another droid, you can get bounced out of the level and just be going around C64 memory as if it's a map. I saw a really cool video about a year ago about this, uh, karate fighting game on the <laughs> Commodore 64. <laughs> we'll put a link to it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I actually like that. I just find it strange that nobody seems aware of, of the bug. Yeah. I guess, yeah, Flynn knew about it. Okay, anyway, that's enough time on that's that. Good. Eh? That's, a, that's a good explanation of that. This, that may be original content that we've come up with for our analysis of Tron. So there you go. And how about that recognizer taking its time to lift its legs up and yep. then stomp down just as the other, like, Flynn takes yeah. off through the hole and yeah. then Tron and Ram follow <laughs> and this recognizer goes to block them, but it takes a moment to, to stomp it. Yes. And they, yeah, and misses. Yeah. That's cool. And, and something else that I noticed here now, now did you, could you make out the dialogue that was going on here? Cause it sounds like somebody refers to either Ram or Tron refers to a recognizer as a demon. Oh, I didn't know so that. So I was wondering if, you know, maybe that's that quasi-religious stuff that Disney was bringing into the movie, or if they were actually 
conflating it with the computer term, the daemon computer term as yeah. well. You know, maybe this is another task or something that's happening here. And so they're referring to the recognizers as as their task, their daemon or their demon or whatever, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I, I like those things in movies. Like one thing Star Wars does well is have multiple names for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it might be a production error, but it might also just be part of a more realistic world yep. where Anakin, young Anakin calls it a laser sword. I'm talking about like episode yeah. one. I saw your sure. laser sword there. And, yeah. you know, somebody else calls it a lightsaber. Yep. All that kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Once uh, all three of the light cycles make a break from the grid, uh, there's this uh, like announcer voice lady. She goes, this is an illegal exit. And, <laughs> yep. and she's kind of making these amounts. Of, it's like, turn back, come back immediately. Yep. <laughs> and they just keep driving. Then we get to the, one of these spots where there's a fun little Easter egg. Sark is up in his command ship, <laughs> yes. having a little bit of an argument with a uh, one of his people up there and in the background on the screen behind him, there's this little yellow circle, waka, waka, waka ing behind him. Yes. Yeah. Pac-Man's right there. Yeah. Sark is shouting out. This is at 45 minutes, 27 seconds. Okay. I, I write these Easter eggs down. Uh, yeah. Sark is shouting, get them, send out every unit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right. And meanwhile, Pac-Man's there on the grid right in front of his face and yeah, and you're right. They even have the sound, his the sound waka waka of, sound waka is waka going. Sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not just for Fozzie Bear anymore. No. Oh yeah. I think this is also the point where Sark uh, uses that null unit insult as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You better get him, you null unit. <laughs> yes. So part of the driving, they switch to this first person perspective uh, inside mm-hmm. the motorcycles I think we're looking through Flynn's eyes driving through this tank hanger. Mm-hmm. He's just driving between rows and rows of tanks, eh? And he goes, I should never have written all those tank programs. So each one of them is an individual <laughs> program. <laughs> yeah, this is another one of these things. Like, did he ha- did he actually one by one write these individual programs? Did he not copy and paste? Or did he not just write the code once <laughs> right and then yeah. fork it run it many times sure. yeah but when you get derezzed is your program deleted or is just the the task deleted yeah. like doesn't your program can't be rerun is it on the hard drive somewhere yeah or the tape drive or whatever kind <laughs> of drive they happen to have yes it in some of these memories oh i didn't mention that did i I'm sorry to go to go way back to Flynn's arcade, mm-hmm. and there's the three of them are sitting there on the couch, trying to explain why they're going. Flynn goes, "Yeah," Alan says, "I still don't understand why you're trying to break in, and f- break into the Encom computer." Yeah, and Flynn like really yells because somewhere in one of these memories <laughs> is the proof that I yep. wrote these games. And, Somewhere and in one of these, these memories. Yeah, and, and, and the way he pauses looking for the right word, it's, it says basically the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But I guess we can believe that Flynn, maybe Flynn did write all those tanks and maybe he did make all that, but he doesn't yeah. seem to use that knowledge... Much in the escape, yeah, in the movie, yeah, 
then uh, the bikes are also on the run and they're in these kind of canyons for, mm -hmm. I don't know why there are canyons there in the computer world, but there's a couple. Okay. Well, actually, you know, okay. something that I didn't mention, like right when Flynn actually goes into the computer world. Yeah. Um, it's kind of neat because he goes down the hallucinogenic computer tunnel. Yeah. Um, and, but before he kind of emerges, emerges, yeah, is, is rezzed, re-rezzed perhaps or whatever. Um, you see clouds above yeah. a sea with the land. And so we're not led to believe that this is just like a land of microchips with traces all over the place that they're living in, yeah. but there's actually a physical, there's continents or at least there's islands and oceans mm -hmm. and perhaps weather because there's clouds and stuff going on in the sky. Yeah. So why are there canyons here? I don't know. Like there's mountains and stuff later on that are, yeah. are quite rounded and stuff, but um, they're there. Yeah. I thought it was also interesting when they were showing us the overview of the world that the oceans were made out of triangles yeah. and the clouds were made out of squares and then the land masses, those just had all the crazy different shapes and stuff going on in it. Yeah. Don't know if it means anything, but it was yeah, interesting. And actually that's when we were talking about the 2001 parallel of going through the warp or whatever, mm -hmm. that's a further connection that in the 2001, they also go through a trippy tunnel, mm -hmm. but then there's also all these visions of strange landscapes in that's color. Right. Yeah. So that's another parallel. So they're driving their bikes through these canyons and the, the bikes are kind of like skidding around the corners and doing, and the yeah. camera's kind of, but you know what? That totally reminds me in Slipstream, they're mm. flying those airplanes through the canyons sure. and the camera is following the airplane doing mm -hmm. very similar kind of moves mm -hmm. in a couple shots, like kind of a, yeah. like a third person mm -hmm. following camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. So it just seems like to me, it was another parallel between slipstream and Tron. Yeah, that's neat. And you can tell that, um, this is hand animated stuff going on here. Oh, yeah. At times, it's not like they yeah. just put a, just drew out a path for the bikes to perfectly follow there. Like you mentioned, they kind of skid around corners, but they don't skid in a, what you would, if you were to program it you'd think that you would skid it nicely and, and the back wheels would slide out. But in some of the animations, it's not jerky, but it just doesn't seem to quite follow physics the way that you would program it to follow physics. It looks like yeah. it's hand, hand animated. Yeah. Uh, and in one of the documentaries I watched about this, it's interesting. They had like the 3d rendering software and it did a good job but you mm -hmm. had to give it these huge lists of numbers of the X, Y, and Z for yep. every point in time, but they right. didn't build those kind of path tools into that software. And right. they were expected, give me a list of X, Y, Zs, and I will type it in my computer and it will render the path. Yeah. So the animators, they first started trying to write those lists of numbers and then thought a computer should be able to do this. But, inst yeah. but instead of putting that in the animation program itself in the renderer, they wrote another computer program hmm. that allowed them to, you know, do the, the, the curves, the splines, mm -hmm. and ultimately print out 
a list of XYZ coordinates. Not even get like a file with them, but <laughs> yeah. print it out. Wow. Yeah, that, then that printout would go to them over at the other side. <laughs> that was their time-saving technique is to have a computer print something out for somebody to type in a different computer. Well, I guess it beats using the slide rule or the abacus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One other thing about the tanks is this idea that there are people, well, there no programs yeah. inside the tanks operating the tanks. Yeah, that's right. So, so it's not like the tanks themselves, like Flynn was saying, well, perhaps the tanks themselves were programmed and they have certain functions they can do, but there are also other programs acting upon these programs. programs yes. <laughs> it's kind of confusing, eh? And Flynn, yeah. Flynn says, on the other side of the screen, it all looks so easy. But wouldn't you know how difficult it is, Flynn? He, he's the one who programmed them, I think. Yeah, anyway, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving so we're on. trying to get to this IO tower. Sorry, this is taking and we're forever. Escaping. That's okay. Yeah, you're you're right about that null unit thing. That's the tanks lost the the guys, and they right. arrive at the next stop on their road trip, which is well. This is where the I'm trying to think. This is where the um, the tanks actually manage to shoot out the bridge or something oh, like that. First, they find the oasis, the 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 springs. And they all get full of energy and glowing, and even Tron laughs. Oh, yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah, he's huh. laughing, enjoying himself. Boy, you forget how good the power feels until you yeah. get to a pure source. Then they discover that there's the input-output tower. They see it from mm -hmm. there, yeah. And then they get back on their bike. So it's kind of funny, they have this, like... Uh, healing time you think of their hp going up to maximum <laughs> or even getting like some sort of level up having, because, a, having a short rest yeah they have a rest but they they are drinking the pure power they're all glowing yep. extra blue yeah they get back on their bikes and almost immediately kabang kabang yeah. you know what i was thinking about when i was watching them drink out of their frisbees though i was thinking i wonder what their costumes are made of and as they're dipping so close to the water, aren't they in danger of getting their costumes wet? And maybe it would just get really dark, you know, like not stained, but like just soaked with water. Wouldn't that make it a problem for, for the way that they make the movie? But yes. Yeah. It didn't happen. Everything's fine. They did a good job. They're professionals. They, they know what they're doing. Yep. But yeah, they get back on their bikes and and there's uh, the tanks are shooting and just like... When Flynn is shooting the recognizers in the arcade, one, two, three, four, five, eventually he hits something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the tanks are taking shot, 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 shot. And eventually they, they blow up this bridge kind of thing that they're going over top of. Yeah. And, and Tron, Tron is. Makes it over the bridge. And, and the other guys. And the other two get knocked. Like Tron survives it and looks back and his two other companions are buried and dead. And right away, the tanks announce two programs derezzed. Like they know for sure it happened. Like they know for sure it happens. But then they scouted out and they said, yep, no survivors. So they do a second yeah. announcement that, oh yeah, they really are dead. Because we haven't found we them. So they must be dead. Them. Yeah. So yeah. this is an interesting thing. Is it, these are free programs that the master control program doesn't own, right? Right. But, you know, we know with a real 
Linux type system, mm -hmm. if you have a, a bunch of programs running, there has to be a yeah. controller, whether or not it's evil or good or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That knows those programs, right? Because that's, that's right. what yeah. the CPU runs. Nothing, exactly. <laughs> nothing gets started on its own. Yeah. So instead, yeah. you know, I guess, I guess Tron takes off and, and the baddies take off, but uh, we see this thing, this shape rise up out of the pile of rubble and Ram and Flynn are in a busted up recognizer. Yes. And and they're able to rise and assemble the recognizer and that's going to be their little mode of transport for the next little while. And actually it's totally dead at first. They have a nap. Mm -hmm. And then Flynn kind of in his sleep seems to touch a control. Yeah, that's right. He's just and kind of lying down there and his his fingers are tapping and it's almost like as he taps, energy comes out of him. Yeah. And awakens the the recognizer yeah yeah and when the recognizer rebuilds itself i like how the music is super triumphant mm -hmm. and it's all <laughs> assembling piece by piece yeah and then the bottom leg breaks off and yeah. falls and the music goes <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. super disappointingly yeah and it's like a sad trombone yeah it's like the sad trombone and I guess that is the cause of Flynn has all kinds of problems driving Man, does he the ever. recognizer from then on. And I guess it's because it's still broken yeah. that he's having all that trouble with it. Yeah. He really struggles with those controls, but he's making like some big moves. Like, it's not like just gentle inputs here. Yeah. You know, just look. He's like just swinging the controls <laughs> all over the place. And it's not just left and right. It's like angles. And he's got this, I don't know if that's the throttle on the top. There's that thing on the top of, of the thing. And that's going back and forth all over the place. But yeah, he has a hard time with that. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ram though. Yeah, that's not doesn't enough. Doesn't get to go for the whole ride. Yeah, yeah. So for whatever reason, Flynn, even though Flynn gave him power again, like kind of, mm -hmm brought him back that's not enough it's not enough are you a user asks ram yes i am flynn help tron and he's out of there and he's out of there yeah so it's it's good that that ram recognizes or gets to recognize flynn as the user do you think that that ram suspected that or i guess it's just because he was because flynn was able to bring power back to everything yeah that he knows that he's got some special powers and earlier he at least once did say i think he said to tron there's something mm. different about him or that that's kind right of thing. Yeah. yeah flynn's all alone for a moment and then just a moment and then for no <laughs> for whatever reason bit shows up again yeah i've 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 heard that bit was supposed to be kind of a constant throughout the movie yeah. But he was so much trouble to animate and put in that they had him at the very beginning with Clue. Yeah. And then he shows up again very briefly with Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. See, my memories of Bit are that Bit's all over the place in this movie, but he's not. He's here for like, you know, this one minute interaction, it seems like. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is when I have to point out that yes. Bit is not a bit. He's not a bit. Yeah. He's not just yes or no. He's sometimes nothing. Yes, he's silent or whatever you want to say it. Yeah. He has three states. 
not two. That's because right. if he did have only two states, what would happen? He would just be always, yes, <laughs> no, yes, no, <laughs> yes, the whole time. Yeah. Shut up, Trip. I can't. Yes, no, yes, no. Oh, man, that was, you know, yeah. So we're glad he's a, he's a Trip. That we are. And you know, I, I watched this really cool song on the internet uh, a few years ago that you really should check out. It's about this guy. It's basically a, a Tron song with Tron and Bit, and, and Bit's kind of like the kid. And it's really well animated, too, the video for the song. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. Oh, cool. What's the name yeah. of that song there? I think it might be called You're a Bit or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What's it called? Maybe, Have you seen this? Do you know what the song I think, is? I think you shared it with me. It's called Bit Pair. Oh, yeah. Bit Pair. Yeah. Bit Pair. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty clever. <laughs> you know, when when I first watched it... I thought that man, whoever wrote the song was really clever in in like drawing out the the parent child analogies in the whole thing. And then as I was watching Tron again the other day, it's like, oh wait, this is just lifted straight out of the movie. He just quoted there's the no movie. originality there at all. Yeah, no, that's there's right. Nothing I thought clever. There, there's no nothing clever, nothing deep in that guy's soul at all. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, Flynn manages to crush the recognizer very slowly, very gradually. Yes, very gradually. That's yeah, right. yeah, bit by bit. And he kind of stumbles out. And do you notice that that's bit exits at that point? He just... Or was he trapped inside? No, no. He just goes, whoop. And he just yeah. kind of disappears. Okay. Like, well, okay. Maybe he is stuck in the recognizer, but I think he just kind of flies out of it and okay. disappears. And he's gone for the rest yeah, of the movie. Gone. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's all you get for bit. For trit. I, and was that bit actually clues bit at the beginning of the movie yeah that'd be interesting and was that recognizer the one that was involved in clue's fight Mm. when clue got destroyed he took out some tanks on the way or some recognizers recognizers yeah so did bit hang out in a recognizer that clue destroyed that's yeah and is it just total coincidence that flynn would be led there to seek shelter Mm. And then uh, Flynn kind of falls out of the city, or he crashes and he ends up in kind yep. of a populated, yeah. almost like a city. And I think it's because they're going to around this IO tower, yep. and there's kind of a city or a more built-up area around the IO tower. That's right. And this, rec- this reminds me a bit of in Star Wars... Mm-hmm. Uh, is it episode two or three, probably two, where Anakin crash lands in, a, in the city, in the in city. Yeah. yeah. And kind of falls out of his ship and kind of, yeah. does he also say, oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. And everybody's just, oh, I don't know. Basically Maybe. ignoring it. I don't know. The, yeah. the two of those remind me of each other. And these are like some really different kind of characters yeah. In this area. Yeah. Like they are totally not like Sark's forces. They're not like the gladiators at all. Like there's that shaggy <laughs> yes. dude. And like, yeah, like where everything that we've the, seen so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that light bulb one or something. There's, so there's, yeah, and there's, and there's also the guy with all the yellow and orange tube <laughs> things all over him. It looks like maybe he's a virus or something like that. Oh, yeah. maybe he's a virus. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, we're used to seeing 
so many identical type things, like very similar programs, I guess, in the Tron yeah, world. And, all th- and there's all these unique ones hanging out around the IO Tower or yeah. whatever this area is. And most of them are obviously human-ish, like at least they mm-hmm. have a human yeah. face and yep. roughly humanoid. And these guys kind of are, but they've also got some really strange things going on as well. Yeah, a few of them are just... Very alien, like very yeah. not human. Yep. Yeah. But none of these weirdos really care, as you said, that that uh, Flynn crashes the recognizer right by them. It's just kind of, yeah, whatever. And meanwhile, Tron has got himself also to the city and he's mm-hmm. searching for Yori. Yeah. And he finds her and yep. she's in some kind of weird trance. She certainly seems spacey, yeah. So explain what you think is going on with Yuri there. Yeah, she seems, it seems like she's the supervisor or something in charge yeah. of the solar sail project. Okay, Because, yeah. or at least she's like a cler- like doing clerical work or something, mm-hmm. but maybe mm-hmm. a supervisor because she's standing. There's a bunch of people sitting at like computer terminals mm-hmm. facing into the hangar where the solar sail is being built. Mm-hmm. And one of the big guard guys, I wish we had a name for them, but you know, one yeah. of the bigger ones asks yeah. for a progress update on the solar sail. I don't know why it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, she just has this list of numbers yeah. to give him. And then yeah. when Tron finds her, she starts quoting those numbers to him too. And she, yeah. and he shakes her and she kind of comes out and she goes, Tron. Yeah. So. And. Yeah, I found it strange that, you know, the report that she gave, it didn't seem to be like a totally satisfactory report even, either. It was, it was like, yeah. oh, you know, some things are working, you know, 89% of the things are working, but, you know, <laughs> some of it isn't working. It's like, okay, just wanted to know. Yeah. Thanks for the status report. <laughs> no redouble your efforts or anything like that. It's like, no, okay. No. Yeah. Yeah, and it's unclear... Do they need the solar sail? Like, does the MCP need it for an important thing? Does Who knows? Is Sark... this the first solar sail that they're building? Yeah. Like, cause... is this the first one they've got? Or they're just getting ready to... Like... It... What do they call it when they when they build something? When they res it? Prototype, you mean? Or what? No, when like, when they kind of... Create. It's... Yeah, it seems like they just kind of create things. Like, they've got a plan for it. And they just... Zoop. There, I've created it. Good. Yeah. Away we go. Yeah, because it seems like an inferior vehicle to Sark's carrier in every oh, way. Yeah. yeah. It's handy as a cool escape vehicle. As long as you want to go slow. Yeah, if you want to go slow on a rail. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this, it's a research project. Yeah. So so Tron says, look, we gotta we gotta escape, we gotta do something. Mm-hmm. And Yori thinks, Oh, I know where to go. And so they take off, but they never actually go anywhere because there's a deleted scene. Oh. And she Explain says, oh, this to me. Yeah. Okay. So she says, okay, Tron, Tron's like, I need help. We got to go somewhere. She goes, I know where to go. And she runs mm-hmm. off and drags, drags him along. And they go to this door that they pass mm-hmm. through and that is her apartment. And oh. there's a whole deleted scene. Where they're kind of like lovey-dovey and she uh, hmm. gets this fancy dress kind of thing. And she kind wow. of, sh- and, and it's a little weird, but also shows that she has more 
uh, agency and power mm-hmm. and like ability yeah. than just being, she's very sidelined in the movie yeah. in, in a way, right? A lot yeah. of times she, she's given a little bit of important stuff to do, but um, that whole apartment scene would have added a lot more to her character had it been in yeah. there. You can find it. I think it's on YouTube. Okay, cool. And uh, it's fairly well done, even though it was deleted. It's uh, mm-hmm. and it got cut because it was too racy or something like too okay, yeah. too PG. But it's not yeah. really. But, okay. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. yeah, so they go through this door, that deleted scene, and then suddenly they're just out in the open again. One of these inconsistent things that one of the big guards comes at Tron during this run uh, to the IO Tower. Tron mm-hmm. hits him with the disc, and inexplicably, this one dies by spinning around yeah. <laughs> in this really weird animation. Kind of like in Park Patrol. Yeah, it is yeah. like Park Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it looks cool, but it's like, why did that one guy die that way when all the yep. other ones did this weird burst? Um. Yeah, they do get to the I.O. tower and somehow the way into it. You can't go in through the front door. You got to climb way up, go... Go through a window. A window. the searchlights are searching for you. Yeah, kind of wait a while while the recognizers are shining their searchlights. Take a bit of time to like, oh, this is a really dangerous moment. I hope we survive this slide down a gentle hill. (laughs) Yeah. And then they, they do the slide... Tron waited long enough that the recognizers did spot him. Yeah. At the bottom, he's like, Yuri, are you okay? From slide. I I just slid down the slide. Yeah, she's like, yeah, let's, that was fun. Let's do that again or something. But I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So they slide down into, into the, the tower, the tower guardian's room, whose name is Dumont, who is Walter, like Walter's analog in the, in the computer world. And he's a little bit different than everybody else because he's not like, he's got a human face, but he, he's not like a bipedal human type person. He's just kind of this, he's kind of like the front half of a sphinx. And he kind of can, I guess he can kind of swivel around on his thing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So he just kind of hangs out and guards the, io tower by not doing anything there (laughs) yeah and and he's uh he's super cynical and defeated yeah yeah but he is also presented i think he represents like a priest sure okay and we were talking we were talking a little bit about the religious ideas here i think the tower guardian is a priest who feels very defeated because you know they've been oppressed and I think their religion stands for kind of a, a freedom. Yeah. And they're being oppressed. Uh, but Tron gives him a bit of hope. He says, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can change this if mm-hmm. you would let me go through and communicate with my users. Like, so here's somebody coming with hope and mm-hmm. with faith, I would say, yeah. like still faith in the users. Yeah. Can I go and talk to my you know, my, uh, yep. my user, Alan, yep. Alan one. And so the tower guardian does decide to help him and locks out Sark and his forces. Yeah. And then he, he has this, even this kind of mantra, this is kind of like a, I don't know if this is like the Catholic church or 
what this is modeled after, but Dumont says, all that is visible must grow beyond itself and extend into the realm of the invisible. Mm. You may pass my friend. And mm -hmm. then Tron goes by the guardian into yep. the IO tower and yep. communicates with Alan. This is the idea. Okay. Talking about visible and invisible mm -hmm. is kind of the same way that inside the system, they don't believe in the users because you know, like you can't see, sure. you can't see yep. them or whatever. Yep. It's kind of the same thing as with the force or whatever kind of other spiritual sure. representations we have in yep. science fiction where there's things you can't see and yet you can, yeah, well, that's what faith is, right? Well, and, and, and this is kind of like what Walter's actually saying to Dillinger yeah. back in the office earlier, you know, our spirit is in these programs. So like you just think of this as let's get the business done, yeah. but no, like we've put ourselves into what's going on in this computer world and it lives because we are there or we've put ourselves into it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's a really neat take on that. I like that. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. And then the actual IO tower is like, uh, like a holy place or whatever. Sure. <laughs> a holy place or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking of like the, uh, the Jewish temple, the Holy mm -hmm. of Holies idea yeah. where there's yeah. like the guardian, you know, the, the cherubim are there guarding, guarding yeah. the ark. But if you can get behind the curtain, you know, that's where you can, that's where the priest communes with God. So that's where yeah. Alan goes. Alan right? communes. Yeah, that's right. Or, or, yeah, or, sorry. That's where Tron goes Tron. to commune with Alan. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's great. I, I'm not sure that was just Disney wedging that in there. It seems too central necessary yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. i i i think lisberger must have had at least some of these ideas in there mm -hmm. very good okay so yeah uh dumond allows tron to communicate with alan alan writes the code on tron's disc that will allow tron to destroy the mcp yes in in the holy ceremony as he lifts up <laughs> and the and the disc goes up and then the user sends the disc back down with the commandments written on it. No, that's not exactly what's <laughs> happening, but something like that. It is very close. Yeah. Yeah. And and so Tron and Yuri are off to get the MCP. And this is where it's handy that the laser expert has a solar sail that rides on the laser. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. They, they head back and they hijack the solar sail. It's kind of cool. And I was looking at the solar sail and I was thinking, you know what? looking at it from a different point of view, it's, it's kind of like a butterfly. Like you could think of it as it's a butterfly that's taking them across the computer land. <laughs> and yes, they, there's the whole ship part that drags behind it, of course, but you could look at it as, you know, the main thing is the butterfly thing or whatever. It's just the solar set well, or whatever, yeah. as we say well, I think in the, this podcast. <laughs> the body of the ship does remind me like of a dragonfly body or something yeah, like that. Sure. Like, yep. Yep. So it's kind of consistent yep. still. Yeah, for sure. And I guess it totally makes sense. It's not mere coincidence. You know, I was just saying, you know, you've got the laser expert. Um, Laura is the laser expert in the real world. And so her counterpart in the computer world um, is running the solar sail that travels along these laser beams. So, you know, a little bit of connection there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and yep. she she is in charge of she is the expert about the solar sail. Yeah. So it's not like the guys shove her aside and say, "Let me drive this thing" or whatever. That's right. Yeah. She's the yeah, one who does know how it works. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also this funny bit. Meanwhile, Flynn has also arrived at the city, and he punches out one of the red guards. Yeah, that's right. That is with Sark's unit. Yep. And he Flynn goes to kind of grab him, maybe to grab his red uniform off of him, but instead the yeah. red flows into his blue. Yeah. And he becomes a red guy who can yeah. then just kind of follow along, eh? Yeah, he can he fits right in with the crew and nobody suspects him or really notices him. Yeah. I I didn't know if he was like trying to get the uniform or if he was just kind of holding on to the the dude or checking to see if he was really dead or what was going on there, but yeah. It's it's strange. Like it's not like the evil is coming in and replacing um, like the evil red is coming in and replacing the good blue or anything. In this case, it's just a disguise yeah. that that happens to work in this situation. Yeah, that happened a little while ago. Yeah. Um, and and then that's when they get on the solar sail. Mm-hmm. Then those uh, Sark's guards attack Tron, and that's mm-hmm. when he's killing them all. And Flynn is one of those guards that mm-hmm. comes onto the solar sail. Yeah. So when Tron's killing each of them, there's these funny sound effects that appear again. Yeah. Instead of the guards spinning around though, they make this sound like, just like Mario jumping on a turtle, you know, that boom bloop kind of sound or what? Yeah. Each of them makes a bloop, makes one of those sound effects. Yeah. Yeah. And Flynn luckily just gets knocked. He doesn't fall to his death. He hangs on to the edge of the solar. Yeah. Hey, it's me. Don't kill me. Yeah. Yeah. And away they go. Yeah. They leave the game zone. And and what's, what's the name of the place that they're going to? Did you get this? It's, they don't quite, they don't call it the main computer area, but there's like, there's a different name for the area that they're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, the game zone was just like this subsection or the smallish area in the world. And now they're going to the, whatever the main computer area where the MCP is. Yeah. Then there's that funny moment about the grid bots They're Yes. They're flying along and Better look out for the grid bots. <laughs> there they are. Look yeah. out. Yeah. We okay. better look, that was easy. We better look out for them. <laughs> Maybe this was what the uh, actual Disney animators got to do and, you know, kind of kept their ire down because they weren't, they weren't able to animate too much in this movie, but they gave them that to do. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it was like they were going to do grid bots. Then they said, no, 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 we're not going to do the grid bots. Right. And that, but meanwhile, the arcade game was almost done. And one of the four central things in it was the grid bots or the grid bugs. Yeah. So they were like, no, you oh, got, man, we got to fit this into the movie. You got to put those somehow. in the movie. Yeah. So they had this, just this cartoon. Yeah. And it's all right. Like if, if I didn't know, if somebody didn't tell me that this was hand drawn stuff, as opposed to computer animated stuff, it's like, yeah, I might've believed that this was just another computer animated thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. The animation's not terrible, but to me, it does really stand out as different. Yeah. It is much more Disney-esque. Like, yeah. They're very much, they're more animated than the computer animated things. Like they've got more expression and bounce to them than everything else has. Yeah. Yeah. And so Yori's overdub is this isn't going to be easy. If those grid bugs get us, we've had it. Fortunately, they don't. They don't. And then (laughs) 
the story continues on. <laughs> yeah, yep. and that's it. Tron finds Flynn hanging on the side. Yep. When uh, it's one of those things where Flynn's probably been hanging there for several minutes. Yeah. But the second he starts talking to Tron is when he slips and falls to his death, except Tron reaches up and grabs, grabs him because yeah, he's so strong. Right. And then Flynn turns blue again. Yeah, that's right. And he says, you know, it's it's time that I level with you. I'm a user. Yeah, that's right. And he, Flynn also acts surprisingly creepy. So we're an hour and 15 minutes into the movie now. Mm-hmm. And Flynn finally meets Yuri or, yeah. Lo- or Laura. Laura. And, or he keeps calling her. He says, Laura, Laura. Yeah. And she's like getting so totally creeped out and backing up away from yeah. him. And, and yeah, Tron's getting right. all defensive, getting in front of. <laughs> and so Tron and Flynn have this discussion about what it's like to be a computer, or I'm sorry, what it's like to be a program and yeah. what it's like to be a user. Yes. So Tron says, you know, as, as a, program you just keep on doing what you do no matter how crazy it seems you know that's our lot in life basically and then flynn comes back and says i I hate to disappoint you but that's the way it is for users most of the time too yeah yeah so it's (laughs) kind of interesting you know a little bit of a commentary on the on the human condition there yes you know as as strange as as situations may be a lot of the time we just tend to keep on doing what we've always done in the past, no matter yeah. how crazy it seems to be. You just keep on doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Tron's response is just stranger and stranger. We're not so different. <laughs> you and I, yeah. Stranger and stranger. Well, and there's, there's a hidden Mickey in the movie, which I only learned about recently, right? Yeah. At, right at this stage. It's at, if you're watching the Disney plus version, I remember you telling me about this when we were walking a number of weeks ago now. Yeah. But I didn't notice it when I was watching the Disney Plus version. I yeah. only saw it like on Wikipedia or something afterwards. It's at one hour, 12 minutes and 28 seconds for anybody okay. looking for it. Yep. And it's a big 3D-ish. It's They're flying over a landscape, mm-hmm. cameras up above, solar sail, mm-hmm. and then the ground. And the, the hidden Mickey is so big that you can't see all of it at once. Mm-hmm. It goes out of the camera frame a little, but you watch it move by and mm-hmm. it's clearly there. Yeah. And he's yeah. kind of looking to the side. There's They're traveling along the beam and they're, the very, very slow chase is happening <laughs> and a power surge comes down the beam and it's kind of like building up this wake or something in front of the solar sail and it's slowing them down. And what are we going to do? We need to get over to that beam, but we can't get over to that beam. And so Flynn is able, because he's a user, to kind of lean over the front and and. I don't know if he's creating a new beam out of his hands or if he's redirecting, but it looks like there's an extra beam happening here. And so they can awkwardly reposition (laughs) the big solar sail (laughs) onto this different trajectory. Yeah. Basically he grabs the beam there on Mm -hmm. and somehow redirects it up to the nearby beam. And fortunately the solar sail follows that new beam over to the other one and quite the, majestically and the pursuing recognizers are destroyed tron and yori can't believe 
that he didn't get derezzed doing such a crazy thing. So it doesn't last long. There's a funny moment uh, at one hour, 17 minutes and 48 seconds. <laughs> where Not at 47 seconds. Yeah. There's totally a painting of the solar sail, kind of third person looking down along it. And Yori's at the controls and Flynn's yeah. kind of reclining and yeah. Tron's walking the, des- the deck. But... Yori and Flynn are 100% just like a painting, like a still image. Yeah. And the only part they rotoscoped a tiny little walking Tron that walking down the deck. And, yep. but, but it's just like this absolutely still looking painting. Yeah. That they kind of pan into or something like that. Yeah. 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 And, and then meanwhile, uh, after all that miraculous saving, the, Carry, Sark's carrier is hiding in a canyon or coming down a canyon and manages yep. to ram them and the beautiful solar sail is wrecked. Tron is presumed dead. Derezzed. Flynn and Yori luckily got sucked into the carrier somehow. You know, it, it worked out well for them. Yep. But it doesn't seem like good luck for too long because Sark decides to derez his ship <laughs> yes. very slowly from the front to the back. <laughs> and it reminds me of an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Where they're going through like this decontamination thing and, and there's a couple crew members stuck on board. I think Ensign this is one of the big Ensign Row episodes. And so like they have to slowly make their way through the ship. As this, as, as this beam, this wall is coming through the ship. So the same thing is happening here. The ship is being derezzed from the front to the back and Yori and, and Flynn are kind of making their, trying to make their escape or at least stay alive as they make their way down the length of the ship. It's super slow motion. Wait, a couple times Sark has glowed red when he gets angry. Did you yep. ever notice that? That's pretty cool. It reminds me... Uh, of when Gandalf got angry in oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings, you know what the, like how the camera moved and there was yep. this awesome sound and. And he just gets all dark. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a predecessor to that. The, of course the Lord of the Rings one is done better, better. <laughs> but. He does this big glow red, and there's a really cool yeah. sound effect that accompanies it as uh, Sark shouts an angry command. Yeah. And and as they're getting this D-Res, Tron's saying, hey, I, we can get out of here, and Yori is 100% depressed. She's like, leave me alone. We failed. Let's not even try. Let's not even try. But then uh, she faints, Flynn brings her back, and much better than Ram, uh, she actually sticks around, eh? So yes, I don't know if he's good. If he's better at it. That shuttle pops out of the main ship carrying Sark and, yeah. and all these guardian prisoners that they've collected, including mm-hmm. Dumont, who is- Yeah, all the old programs, it seems like, right? Yeah. And Dumont is in human form now. He is, yeah. So maybe his Sphinx thing is more of like a costume or a... Sure. The ceremonial garb. Yeah. And that shuttle pops out of the carrier and goes towards where the MCP lives, Mm -hmm. leaving the main ship behind. And Tron was alive all that time and hitches a ride, I guess, on top of the shuttle. It's not 
you know, kind of like uh, that robot guy on the plane in Slipstream. Yeah. It's, it's the same movie, basically. It's the same movie again. Yep. <laughs> and when that shuttle does land there at the foot of the MCP's kind of mountain world, yep. whatever, um, that Peter guy who we've talked about before, you can leave yeah. now, Peter, who's, yeah. who's being called Bitbrain and Null Unit. Yeah. Is just standing, he's <laughs> standing there, I guess, guarding the shuttlecraft by himself. Yeah. And Tron, Tron kills him and he doesn't even face him. He's just like, Peter's standing there, or yeah. sorry, Sark's Lieutenant is his official yeah. name. Yeah. And Tron just from like a distance shoots his disc and just kills him. And Peter never even saw it coming. I wonder if, you know, Flynn came in contact with him, if there would have been some hesitation, like if he would have like recognized him as one of his co-workers perhaps. And, but I guess there's, there wasn't much recognition that Ram was kind of like an analog of one of his co-workers, was there? Well, Flynn, but it was Alan and right. Ram who were the co-workers. Yeah. yeah. But Flynn worked there at some point. Maybe he knew him. But maybe yeah, it's unclear. If he There's knows. a lot of cubicles. There it's are hard to know everybody. A lot of cubes, but fortunately, those two guys are close to the exit. Yes. Yeah. This ship taking forever to derez. In fact, never does derez. I was unsure whether or not it it didn't derez or whether it didn't really matter that it was derezzing and they were on the other side of the derez. Yeah, but so I guess it doesn't really totally derez at all. Flynn does tell Laura or uh Yori. Yori to go work some controls and maybe she prevents the derezzing cuz she is yeah. is good at working pushing the, some buttons. She's good at working the computers. She didn't really do much like from when what I was looking at, I think she just basically pressed all the buttons. So just <laughs> I just going to hit all 1 2 3 4 5. Okay. There's nothing else I can do but at least it saved us. <laughs> yeah. You sure are good at operating those controls. <laughs> and here we are. Tron confronts Sark. Yes. And they start having a fight. Sark has the ability to make his disc hit Tron like three times in a row, but Tron defends them all. Sark says, you're very persistent. And Tron says, I'm also better than you. And then Tron throws his disc right at Sark. In the head. Right through his disc, splitting in two, yep. splitting his head open. And all the brain bits and stuff are exposed and dribbling out. Yeah, yeah. His brains are there, and then Sark slumps over, and his yep. brains spill Spark. out. Yeah. They actually spill. It's only a few frames. It's it's pretty gross. His brains spill out. The whole battle seemed pretty quick to me. It is like pretty their quick. their fight. But maybe, it's not over. No, and maybe they realize- like the first act. This is how ridiculous it is that the carrier is still flying around up above and still hasn't managed to- De-res. Yeah, de-res or just have cleared the whole area. Yeah. But it does- Apparently, Yori is in charge. She is piloting it. Because Flynn tells okay. her, go pull over on top of the MCP. That's right. And she says, why? I'll jump. Yeah. Why? What good will that do? I'm going to jump. <laughs> okay. I don't understand how that will help, but you do that. Yeah. 
And the MCP, meanwhile, is completely useless on his own, isn't he? Well, he can't do anything except spin around. Yeah, that's all he can do. But he... It's its kind of like one of those rides that they used to have at the CLE, the Canadian Lake at Exhibition, where it would just spin around and around and around and everybody would be trapped to the inside walls. That's kind of like oh, what all the old programs are doing. Yes. They're marched into the MCP and they have to go around and around circles <laughs> on this ride. Yeah. Poor old people are going to barf. MCP gives all his power and functions to Sark and that resurrects Sark as a big, slow giant. Yes. Well, you know, all giants have to be a little bit slower. Yeah. It's mass and that kind of stuff. So Tron tries throwing his disc at, si at giant resurrected Sark, and mm -hmm. Sark just sticks out his hand, and the disc just goes flying away. Yep. Off screen. You'd think Tron doesn't have his disc anymore. Maybe it's like a boomerang. It comes back eventually. He eventually does come back. Like all boomerangs do. Yeah. So Flynn gives Laura, I mean, Yori, a big old kiss. Yeah. My notes say Yori loves Flynn, or at least <laughs> kisses him for good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of a Luke and Leia moment here. It is. For luck. Okay, now swing across the chasm or jump into the MCP, whatever you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Flynn jumps down the MCP and the MCP looks very stunned. Very confused. I have a user in me. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't, I better slow down, stop. Yeah. And that distracts the MCP and Tron has his disc back. So he's able to strike the killing blow past the MP MCP's shield things. Shield things. Yeah. Right into the place where the two pencils meet. Yeah, the two pencil tips. That's right, yeah. And then the MCP slows down and we finally see his face. Yeah, old man program. And he's like the oldest program. Yeah. Behind this like tablet or this yeah. stone wall with a hole in it. Yeah. And then he falls well, and back he's, out of And that. he's making noises almost like he's using an adding machine or something like that. Like there's oh, mechanical clunky noises going on too. Oh, I don't know if I noticed that. Yeah. Which doesn't really make sense because he's in a computer, but maybe he's got like vacuum tubes or something in him that are switching yeah. on and off mechanical transistors. And Flynn flies back up the tower after jumping down too. Hey, eh? did you see that? Oh, you don't, you just see up. little Flynn coming down. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes up. <laughs> and then the I MCP. Yeah. And then the MCP explodes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he gets out. And then everybody celebrates and there's blue. Everything red turns blue again. That's right. The system is converted into a free system. Yep. Tron. It's all Unix now. Or not Unix. <laughs> it's some sort of Linux type thing now. Yeah. And your the the carrier conveniently very slowly lowers down and Tron mm -hmm. helps her off. And they have the kiss yep. and Tron They get a kiss. So she's Tron, Tron thinks that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So she kisses both guys within about thirty seconds of each other. Well one was for luck and one was for love. That's right. That's yep. right. And every tower's lighting up. And everybody's free. Yep. And then we travel back through the hallucinogenic computer tunnel. That's Flynn. He kept going up. Ah, uh, that's right. Because it was a, well, it wasn't an IO tower. But he went through the tunnel and he is re-detized. 
He's mm-hmm. digitized again. Yes. <laughs> Rigitized. <laughs> he's recomposed. Yeah. And as he's being recomposed at Laura's terminal. <laughs> in front the, of the laser. In front of the laser, the yeah. printer is going. Yeah. And it's printing out all the evidence they need to prove that Dillinger stole the programs. Yeah. And everybody can have their access back again. Yeah, like who's ripping it off the dot matrix printer? Like yep. as it's coming out, he's just got handfuls of paper <laughs> yep. ripped, and he's cheering. And Dillinger's up in his office. Yeah, sits down at the old computer desk, and what's on the screen? No MCP. Nope. Just some green text that says, "Hey, buddy, you've the, been found out." The printout. Yeah. It's the same text that was on the printout, but on his desk screen. And Dillinger yep. sits down defeated. He looks beat. Yep. yep. And then all the nerds wear cool clothes and <laughs> yeah. sunglasses. <laughs> and hang out on top of the tower. On top of the roof, that's right. On top of the roof, yeah. As the helicopter dangerously swoops up. Oh, man, yeah. Like, that's view. like a Stuff. crazy attack like not attack but like flying straight up and then landing that's, that's you got great. like a super stunt yeah yep. and yeah alan and laura are there laura's got a nice sweater yeah it kind of reminds me of that shaggy guy who that shaggy program guy from that strange city that they visited yep but yeah yep. all the nerds wear cool clothes yeah greetings programs yeah yeah that's right that's what he says i greeting yep greeting programs and they have a ha ha and laugh and a hug. Yep. And, and the sun sets over the city and the city looks just like a computer system. Yeah. All the, all the electrons traveling up and down the roads and stuff like that. And so I, I think again, it's like, you know, users programs, we're not that much different. You and I, yeah, I th- I think that's what that ending shot means as well. That it's yeah. it's in like fast forward and all mm-hmm. the moving lights of the city, like the headlights of the cars, all make this blur. Yep. Yeah. Running up and down the traces of the of the PCB ways. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So. Yeah. And then the ending music is a really nice version of the electronic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the electronic and the harm uh, and the orchestral. Yeah. And then do you notice what happens to me if you stick with the credits? Well, the Journey song comes on again. Oh, but something happens between the two. Oh, I don't know what happened between the two. There is a really cool organ, like a big old church cathedral organ version of the theme. The theme goes from... Does it kind of morph? Yeah, it's it's quite smooth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really smooth and goes into this organ version of it and i think that's deliberate i i I don't think i mentioned before that the two other besides the electronic and Mm -hmm. orchestral music and the journey music yeah there's two other things in the soundtrack there's this church organ cathedral sound yeah version of the song and there is a choir oh yeah that sings at certain moments as well. And I Great. think I think that choir and the church organ are other deliberate yeah. religious elements like, being brought elements, into. Yeah, yeah, being brought in. Yeah. Um 
So I just wanted to point those out as well. Yeah, that's cool. I, I want to go back and listen for the for the choir part, especially because, of course, in 2001, mm-hmm. they use, and it's not like a traditional church choir, but they use like choir voices just rising and rising to oh, yeah. great spooky effect. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And, yeah. and both cases, yeah, the choirs are not singing words, like it's, mm-hmm. they're, they're not what's the word vocalizing what they're yeah they're not singing lyrics yeah yeah there's no words or say it's it's uh sounds or no yeah syllables i guess it's instrumental yes i think you and i've had an argument about what this is <laughs> called before and i think you insisted what they were doing was yodeling <laughs> but that might have been a different podcast i think that we was do. a different argument i think that was okay. a different argument <laughs> <laughs> so the church yodels yeah, the, go back yeah, and listen for those. Yeah, I don't think I was calling those yodels. <laughs> I think that was a different thing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that is our walk through Tron the movie. Wow. Yeah. Good for did, us. How long did we go? We're about uh, we're over an hour now. Yeah. Um, probably like an hour ten or so with our breaks and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a double extra long episode. Yeah, this one's and good. yes, it's not over yet. You're right. We're gonna shut down this particular podcast momentarily, but for our extra special bonus podcast this month, yeah. we're gonna keep on talking Tron, but not Movie Tron. All the other cool Tron stuff that we enjoyed as we were kids and that you've been reading recently. And yeah, we're just going to talk about more Tron memories from the eighties and beyond. Yeah. Video games and whatever else. Arcades, the little records with the picture books that you turn the page when bit goes high. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. We'll, we'll, it's going to be fun. Yeah. So for our patrons who donate any monthly amount, you're going to be getting this bonus podcast. That's right. We are not recording it tonight, I don't think. No. So it may be out very soon. Before or it might the end be of the month. a few days later. Yep. Yeah, before oh, yeah. the end of the month. And if you would like to get in on the bonus Tron podcast, just search for Grown Up 80s at patreon.com. Yeah. We've got, uh, we do tons of bonus stuff. Not tons of bonus stuff, but. Sometimes it seems like we're doing a lot of bonus stuff. (laughs) At least one, if not two bonus things per month. We would like to thank our patrons for their support. Big thanks to our 8-bit backers, Ian Calhoun, Rob O'Hare, and Jake McKinley. Thank you very much, guys. And big shout-outs to all the rest of our patrons, Mac and R2, Apogee79, Michael, Chris, and MV. Yay. Thank you, people. So, for Robin Harbrin, I'm Darren Folds. Good night, users. <laughs> Good night. Good night, programs. Good night, programs. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>